fantasy football fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 314. And today we got a doozy. We're going to be dropping that goose, slinging that FF knowledge. And on this show, I got an awesome guest. I got Wheeler, my boy, um, hanging out with us, talking fantasy football. This show is going to be pretty fun and pretty uh, different. We've never really done a show like this. It's called The Twitter Show. Um, we're basically going to just talk about Twitter things we love, uh, talk about some tweets that we've seen recently or in the past, not too distant past, talk about the things we like about Twitter, things we don't like about Twitter, and um, just have a good old time, give you some good follows for fantasy football, uh, maybe even give you some random uh, kind of follows and things on Twitter that have nothing to do with fantasy football. But we might, we're going to try and keep it on topic as much as possible. Uh, we will also be doing an interspersing on this show. Um, you're on the clock. So um, while we're talking about Twitter here and there, we're going to do a little uh, little bit where we you're in a pick uh, and you, you're in a round and you're on a pick and you're on the clock. And I'm going to give uh, four guys that you can choose from that are all kind of currently within the ADP of this uh, pick currently. And uh, we'll just talk through who we would take and maybe give some reasons. So, uh, that's going to be the show today. Wheeling, my man. How you doing? How you living? Doing well, doing well. You know, just chilling, getting ready for school in the morning, but all good. Nice. You having a good summer so far? Yeah, I can't complain. Summer school is fairly easy, so I get out at noon, get some sun, get some fantasy football in, you know. There you go. Well, I'll tell uh, our audience, you know, I think I've been on Twitter for about nine years now. Um, I'm not the biggest or greatest tweeter, uh, the guy out there, Twitter guy out there, but, um, you know, I came, we became buddies on Twitter probably a couple years ago. And uh, just uh, in general, I think one of the things that I've kind of realized with you, Wheeler, is that uh, your buddies are pretty close with a lot of people over Twitter. I, I think I referred to you uh, the other day as uh, you're like the Geneva uh, Switzerland of, of Twitter. It seems like everyone knows you. Everyone loves you. You're a big retweeter. You put out your own tweets. And uh, it's just funny whenever, even when I tweeted out that I was going to be doing the show with you today, I was like, oh, I got to listen to my boy uh, Wheeler on the show, Sharp Dude and whatnot. And uh, so pretty awesome to have this show. We're kind of discussing what we wanted to talk about. Um, I thought it was a, uh, it was a good um it was good in, in our wheelhouse, and we didn't have to do too much prep to kind of just talk about Twitter. I felt like I haven't really heard. Uh, we, we reference how important it is and great it is for fantasy football uh, all the time on our show. But um, truly, I do feel that um, if, the, if you only could do one thing or use one tool uh, for um, yourself in fantasy football, I think just following the right people and, and using Twitter and, and kind of uh, – digesting all the uh the micro and macro information there you're going to be in a in a good place yeah that's kind of what i've come to do pretty much all the time now um i guess i only really started on twitter i think three years ago and for the first year i barely used it but uh then i started finding out kind of who to follow and who's just throwing advice and stats and analytics out there so I started following more and more people and started realizing, huh, you know, <laughs> these people pretty much know what they're talking about and they're giving me inf more information than some of the pay sites. 
So I started following more and more people and, you know, just commenting here or there. And one thing I noticed about Twitter, too, is that uh, there's a lot of trolls. So uh, admittedly, at first, I was probably a little bit of a troll, kind of second guessing all the information. And uh, after a while, I started to take it all in and realized there were two sides of it on Twitter. So I would if I disagreed with something. I wouldn't make a comment like that's absurd because, well, we're wrong at least 40% of the time anyway. So yeah. I just, I'd come, I'd come up with another question just to kind of get somebody to maybe look at a different side of it. And I think people respected that just kind of the, you know, the, the banter back and forth. And, uh, after a while I started to meet people and, uh, got hooked up with a couple of dynasty guys, uh, joined a dynasty league and, for each dynasty league, you kind of set up a chat group, like to kind of just throw ideas out there and stuff. So I got in a bunch of these chat groups and we started resharing each other's tweets. And, you know, some of them, some of these leagues are super active and some of them have some pretty popular, knowledgeable, very knowledgeable guys. And so I started to get to meet people that way and it just expanded from there, you know, like, uh, we were talking briefly about uh, Ryan McDowell's uh, top follows list. Uh, that's, that's a huge list of people that everybody should follow if you're into fantasy football. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and that's just, and, oh, you can, he does a great job. He's kind of used uh, this offseason. He's compiled um, a number of different kind of criteria um, and, and, and it's kind of crowdsourced uh, also. Who are, who are your favorite um, Twitter handles out there? And he's got a ton of followers himself. And the, that Twitter handle is at uh, Ryan, R-Y-A-N-M-C-23. Check it out. He allows you to download this spreadsheet that he's put together of the 2018 um, FF Top Followers. And I know that uh, your account's in on this, my account's in on I think I only got some love on it for podcasts. But, um, you know, I don't – In all honesty – after a while, it kind of becomes a popularity contest, oh, totally. and a lot of the guys and a lot of the guys I'm in chat groups with nominated me for it. So it, you know, I was pretty happy about it. But um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. If you're around Twitter and active on Twitter and know your stuff, you're going to get on the list. Um, you know, it's just a matter of how many people you interact with and then how many of them actually think you're knowledgeable about things. So, yeah. you know, it's a very good list, very good list to start off with for sure. Check it out. And some of the criteria that he has in that list, which I think is great. So there's NFL draft people and, you know, he's got uh, 58 handles for that. There's redraft experts uh, and a nice list uh, there about 46 people are very own. Uh, Pyro Stag is on that list. Um, then you've got DFS guys and Twitter handles for that. IDP guys, Dynasty 2QB, uh, Best Ball guys, dudes that are awesome that have under a 1,000 followers, Stats and Analytics guys, and Stags is on that one. Uh, and then you got uh, some other podcasts, and then there's the top five. So I think I think we can all agree. I mean, I, I think the most popular guy in the top five is uh, Evan Silva. Um, he, oh, yeah. he pretty much seems to be, uh, the own, the own it the most of any Twitter handle out there. So if you're listening to this show, um, just definitely follow at Evan Silva, E-V-A-N-S-I-L-V-A. Um, 
there will be a lot of people, even while hearing this, that will roll their eyes because it does seem like because he is popular that, you know, it's the old – there's always there's always the flip side where people hate the most popular person, usually because they're jealous or maybe they took a piece of advice a little too to heart and um, it fell through for them. And some people uh, just hold grudges for that stuff. And, again, like you said, we're wrong. Uh, you know, a lot of the time nobody's uh, omniscient or uh, sees into the future. So um, – Whenever somebody, a troll or just in general, someone on social media comes after me for, you know, a, a, a call that I made. I'm not really a hot take kind of guy, um, but if I make a call and it's wrong, you know, people are like, yeah, great call. I, I listened to you on that one and you, you, you shit the bed on that one, idiot. And it's like, all right, buddy, I hope, hope, hope these tweets make you feel good inside. Um, you know, just going back to that <laughs> Definitely check out Evan Silva. Who's a dude um, that you really like? Uh, we'll just kind of – I think we're going to just go real free form on this show. And, um, you know, we won't just talk about Twitter handles. We'll talk about kind of the, 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 the science and the, the, um, the psychology and some of the other aspects, loves and, and hates for, of it. But who's a guy that you just find yourself always um, on Twitter and looking at a tweet and being like, God – that was a head scratcher. Like I did not know that. Who's who's someone that you really love that that, that people should know about? Uh, there's there's probably three that I would put in that category for sure. Um, at Clutch Fantasy, that's Jake Rickroad. Um, at Graham Barfield is Graham Barfield, and at TJ Hernandez is TJ Hernandez. Um, they're always throwing stats out there that that makes sense. You know that fit into either fit into a narrative or detract from a narrative to the point where you're like, Oh yeah, that narrative doesn't quite fit. That doesn't quite make sense. You know, they, they, and there's a lot of people that can, can tell a story from stats, but these guys generally shoot out the stats that make the most sense and historically have been proven to be correct. So, you know, I obviously look at hundreds of these things a day and just I, I you can pretty much tell with the ones that I like versus the ones that I'm just retweeting and commenting on just by following which ones I like. So when I hit the heart, those are ones that I'm probably I'm actually probably forwarding them to my uh, DM box so that I can use them as a reference in either my rankings or an article. So generally, if I like something, it's either funny, interesting, or you know, I, I'm highly recommending you take a look at it. So what? What? Tell, tell us about that. What's? I, I actually don't do what you're talking about. So when you when you like a tweet that you want to like deal with for later, you for you'll you'll hit on more, and then what do you do? You no, it's so I'll get on the tweet and right down the bottom. If I'm on my computer, it's a it's a little. Um, envelope it's for a direct message yeah and i'll direct message it to myself and then when i'm writing an article i'll use that as a reference i'll quote it you know and i'll i'll, I'll link it to the source so you know i hope nobody gets mad that i'm using their information but i'm linking it straight to their twitter if, if i'm using their words so they should be happy about that too <laughs> No, totally. And that's, that's, that's interesting. I do, I favor, I like a tweet and what I do is I find myself, if I do like it, I, I'll love, you know, hit the like button and then I'll go to my likes 
and uh, hit it up. But that's actually a good way to do a good way to do um, do it. I'll, I'll try that where I'll just kind of just forward myself. Um, I like giving myself things. I'll give myself new tweet mail too. Um, so right. Yeah, like DJ Hernandez, as who you're referencing, he's from Four for Four. Um, here's a great uh, here's a great couple tweets from him uh, that came out. Um, one came out yesterday and uh, or tw- yeah yesterday, and the other one came out. Ah, they both came out yesterday. So um, more fun with at sports info underscore sis. You know, when you do, when you see stuff like that with Hernandez, it's probably a good idea to go and follow the guy. Uh, that's one of the reasons why Twitter is awesome. And, you know, if you want to know the truth, that sports info SIS, I just followed him. Um, it looks like he's, uh, he's, he used to be of, uh, whatever. I won't talk about him, but TJ Hernandez, uh, two tweets that were kind of from information from that. Marcus Mariota's QB rating was 53 points higher last season off play action, with just 20%. 22% of his attempts came off of play action, which ranked 19th. So he's more effective uh, when it, but they're not using him. So under Matt LaFleur last season, 29% of Jared Goss' attempts came off of action. That was the third highest. So I figure that they're saying now that Mark Mariota's got that um, offensive coordinator, um, the you know it should be uh, should come up and he should get more play action. Uh, another Twitter uh, tweet that he did that I liked uh, per Sports Info SIS over the last two seasons, Jordan Howard has averaged one point seven more yards per carry in three wide receiver sets and two point six more yards per carry in shotgun, but just thirty one percent of his carries came in. Three, thir- three wide receivers and 24% from shotgun. Under Matt Nagy, Kareem Hunt saw 45% of carries in three wide receiver sets and 49% from shotgun. So you're looking and you're just saying, wow, okay, so now uh, Jordan's more effective when he's get- getting uh, shotgun and three wide receiver sets. And uh, unlike last year, uh, we've got Nagy who uh, uses that kind of uh, uh, lineup and, 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 uh, and formation. Um, more. So it can tell you that you think right now I'm thinking Mariota is going to be put in a better position to succeed. And so is uh, Jordan Howard. So uh, I, I like those so, tweets. I, I check out Hernandez all the time. Um, he's one of those guys, I'll, I'll say this and it's not a negative thing, but he's one of those popularity guys that just like, there's a lot of these guys that are very clicky with one another. I'm certainly not in the, in the, in the cool crowd, I suppose. Um, I know you you probably somewhat are. Um, that would no. be that, that would be one of the things you're not okay. But that would be one of the things that I kind of don't love about Twitter. Is like I I, I think that, that sometimes it can be a little bit clicky and a little bit kind of like back. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. I think it works. I think it's interesting. Amen to all these guys. But um, that would be one of the things that kind of annoys me here and there. <laughs> Okay, so two things. <laughs> First, the uh, the tweet you just read, I literally, within the past two hours, I saw them, copied them, I sent them to myself, copied them. There are going to be comments in my rankings, which I'm going to probably uh, update on Sunday. Like, that's exactly how I do it. And the Jordan Howard thing, um, Staggs actually put out something, a tweet, that said something about uh, Jordan Howard from the shotgun. And 
I had put this together a while ago and basically the TJ Hernandez uh, tweet that just confirms what Stag and I were both thinking, you know, a couple months ago. So that's really where I can use it too. Is like, all right, this guy who is, who knows his stuff is confirming the thoughts that I thought all along. That's why I've been kind of one of the first ones to jump on Howard in that third round. Like, he, he he's always last in there, and so I, I think he's going to have a great year. Like I don't, I think the offense actually fits him. Yeah, I think but anyway, the, no, I agree. And the one thing I also um, you, you know noticed um, that that I thought was uh, that thing's interesting is just you know that that Kanagi is not doesn't isn't sitting there and saying I'm afraid of uh, Howard's hands. He th- he's like, we're going to keep him in there. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's, he's not a three-down back. And Maggie's like, I don't see it that way at all. We're going to keep him there. He can catch. He can do this. I think he had, a, you know, he had like 14 drops or something last year. So that kind of goes against that that statement. But um, I like the confidence that Maggie's got in Howard. And uh, I think Howard's going to come. He's one of those guys that's going to come at, come at a value. Uh, while we're on the topic of uh, while we while we're on the topic of Jordan Howard and, and, and Stag Party, so to speak, which again that's another Twitter handle you should definitely follow. Step uh, Pyro Stags or Stag Parties, you know, one of my partners at Pyromaniac.com. Uh, he's definitely just one of those kind of just um, just kind of no, no, omniscient, uh, very smart, very analytical kind of guy. He truly is one of the smarter guys I know. Um, I've got absolutely. I got a pretty good story that I want to, that I want to tell about him uh, just because he's my guy. Um, but he posted, he retweeted something um, earlier today uh, from a guy named Mitchell Renz. And it says this only four running backs have rushed for a hundred yards, 10 or more times the past two seasons tied for first is Ezekiel Elliott and Jordan Howard with 12 tied for second is Le'Veon Bell and LaShawn McCoy. So, and then in this tweet, it goes, if your league offers a bonus for 100 yards rushing, keep these guys in mind. Um, so there's another little Howard tidbit. And I love this kind of stuff because Stags didn't necessarily love Howard last year. Um, but, you know, why would you? You had fucking John Fox in the, the shitty situation, a rookie quarterback. And when it, when it wasn't a rookie quarterback, it was, uh, it was you know, Napoleon Dynamite. Um <laughs> My thought, I'm going to just tell a quick story about Stags, um, which I thought was pretty funny, and I was actually thinking about it the other day. So when we started this company, I started with, like, uh, four of my best friends, uh, pyromaniac.com, four of my best friends. I'm the only one that's still around from that original crew. Houdini's been with us for a really long time, and Stag Party's been with us since the beginning, but he wasn't one of the, you know, first guys. So we, 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 we had a concept that we wanted to do, and we... Uh, had a, knew we had a lot of things to figure out our first year. So we actually paid an internship and hired, I think it was five interns um, our, our first summer. And they would come in three days a week uh, to the office and hang out. We'd give them things to do. I had hired a kid from, Mich- uh, from Michigan State. I hired this guy from Duke, uh, who was a pretty sharp guy. Uh, anyway, Stag is one of the guys we, we hired as an intern. And I remember the first day we had him there, I, we were given him a task of capturing these email uh, addresses um, for a mass mailing. We were just kind of manually putting together lists to, uh, you know, kind of announce our launch. 
And I was given all these instructions, and each person had a geolocation where it's like, you're Northwest, you're Midwest, you're down uh, Southeast, you know, that's where you're going to get your emails from. So there wasn't crossover, and guys are just getting all the same emails. Um, and, and we also hired – we had two girls that were actually our interns too, which was great because they loved football. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember the story is, and I'll make this quick, because I was talking and I was telling people what to do, and everyone's writing down notes and, like, asking questions. You know, it was like – it was just, like, being really, really paying attention and wanting to impress on the first day of their internship. And stag party's, like, looking out into space, barely, like – not, it looked like he didn't, wasn't even listening. And I remember being like, dude, this guy, what's this guy's problem? This guy's, there's no way he's listening to what I'm saying right now. Um, and I remember it vividly. And I was just like, all right, buddy. I, I, you know, we got the teacher's pet here. And we got the guy that's sitting in the back of the room. And long and short of it, literally two days later, Stag Party delivered the most robust list you could ever imagine. Totally spot on. And everyone else kept on asking me questions that had like, oh, what'd you say about this? Like, didn't get it. And I was just like, I remember when I got that list, I'm like, what's this? He's like, yeah, that's my list. I'm like, you're done? He's like, yeah. And I was just like, all right, there's something special about this kid. I thought he wasn't even listening. Everyone else that's taking notes and asking questions is still asking me what they need to do two days later. And he's delivering the final list. So uh, I remember that. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And Stag Party and I have been working together ever since. Uh, I opened a restaurant. He, I hired him as my manager. Uh, he worked at me and my uh, for a while, helping me write uh, project launches and do you know odd jobs, just smart guy stuff, writing white papers um, for clients and stuff like that. And then um, I hooked him up with a couple of my good buddies, these Irish guys that are just killing it in construction here. And now Stag Party is there. Uh, it's basically like the office manager slash, you know, right-hand man guy. These two Irish guys are just like, oh, my God, a stag, stag party's the best. Uh, he's, I, 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 we can't imagine life without him. So he's a, he's a sharp dude. I'm, a, I'm, I'm done blowing stag party for this show. But, uh, I, you know, I just got to give that guy props. Um, he, he's dude, just I always wanted to hear that story. Like, I was always wondering, like, I, I know I've been listening for probably six or seven years, but. Uh, you know, I was like, how did they start? Who was there from the start? And that's that's a great story about getting to know Stags. And I can totally see that. Like, just staring into space like, what's this joker on? I'll put it together in two days. I'm not even going to write this stuff down. That's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it, it, it is. It makes stuff look pretty easy. So I'll use this opportunity now, and then we'll keep going in a minute, um, to, you know, talk about a Stags product that we're doing Um Version two of our Pyro Fantasy Football Draft Kit came out last weekend. Uh, maybe it was over a week ago now. Uh, yeah, um, but Stag Party, that's his baby. Um, that thing is a beast. Basically, uh, please do yourself a favor and support pyromaniac.com by um, going and purchasing that. Basically, it's $20. It's a 24 tab. Um, Excel document that's just stocked with fantasy goodness. I know you know it. Uh, we got bye weeks in there, schedule, depth charts, strength schedule. We got ranks for all positions, our tiers, which is awesome. Wheeler, you're, uh, you are a part of this one, and your tiers are, are in that, as well as your rankings are, are putting put towards our collective rankings 
Um, and it's awesome. But check that thing out. There's a bunch of other tabs. I won't go NFL 1080p. Stags does projections on every fantasy relevant player from all 32 teams. If you buy it for $20, believe me, it's worth it. You'll still probably use it a bunch in season. I know I do for strength of schedule mostly um, and some tendencies uh, as well. But um, I use my kit throughout the season. But if you buy it for 20 bucks, you'll get each of the updates. Um, we'll, come, we'll have an update out in the middle of August, and that'll be version three. And then uh, a, a week, 10 days before the season starts, we'll have our final version. So if you buy V2, you're still going to get two more versions uh, that are totally updated and up-to-date, uh, new rankings and a new uh, you know, kind of thoughts are put into each. I think we'll probably have a mock draft between now and that next one. So uh, do us a favor, support Pyromaniac, uh, and, and go head over to our site. You can see it. It's in the main navigation. Uh, and it's also an image, the Antonio Brown image in the upper left of pyromaniac.com. So we would appreciate it. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're not just trying to make money. We're trying to help you guys. So um, you'll, you will not be uh, let down by this draft kit. Um, all right. I can confirm. I can confirm the quality of it too. Like uh, when I started listening six, seven years ago, uh, I was probably listening for a full year and it just, I realized that the way I drafted and what I did in a draft, I needed more information. You know, I, I was kind of looking at, you know, CBS and Yahoo and ESPN and they weren't giving me great advice. I bought this draft kit one year and it, all turned around instantly the information in the draft kit is 90 percent of anything you could need it all it, it, all you need on top of it is just updated news feeds and information like that really it really provides anything you will need to come up with your own tiers your own draft list your own cheat sheet and it it, it, it helped me out immensely it, it brought me some money in when i was uh doing some of these uh bigger bigger tournaments and just just to know, you know, just to be reminded of the stats, like, and it's all there. Anything, any questions you have, it's right there on the spreadsheet in an instant. I, I, I agree. I, I appreciate you saying that. And it's good to hear that. And I hear it all the time on social media and get emails and, you know, people are like, Dug. on Facebook, I mean, literally on Facebook, almost daily, I get a direct message like, you know, the asking questions about, you know, hey, I got a, I got, I'm drafting here. The guy wants to trade me. But on top of that, at the end, they're always just like, man, I just got the kit. You guys outdid yourself every time. It's just so, it's so great to hear it. And again, all of it is a testament to Stag Party. Essentially, other than me giving tears and him asking uh, me and Houdini some questions and probably asks you and Waz and um, PK Ripper and, 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 and Horvath and some of the other guys some questions here too. Here or there, but essentially, all I got to do is for each version is do a graphic and uh, do a, an updated version of my tears and, and Stags does the rest. So, um, good man, good man, follow Stags at P Y R O S T A G. Uh, you will not, uh, you will not be bummed out. I love seeing how many Twitter followers he's getting because uh, he used to tweet a lot on my account, which is at Pyromaniac P Y R O M A N the number one A C. Um, some dumb lady out in the East Coast got the real pyromaniac without the one and with the eye. And literally in her little message that she's got for her account, it's like, yeah, I never tweet. Like, Great. I've literally reached out to Twitter like five times. Like, hey, this woman says she never tweets. Can you purge this uh, Twitter handle from her and give it to a guy that's done 30,000 tweets? 
Um, and they're always just like, you can't do that. It's not a part of our system. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, 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 last thing I'll say is, you, you know, the purge that happened uh, last month, or maybe it was, it was actually earlier this month, Twitter did it. Yeah, I heard about it. I heard about it. I, I don't think I lost a single follower from it. That's awesome. I lost, I think, 600. I mean, I don't know how that happens, but over the years, I guess just like, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how it happens. I don't know if it's like one person was fake botting it for me or if there's a number of people or if there's eight, uh, seven or 800 individuals, but all of a sudden I go, it was funny. I actually did a tweet, um, kind of, you know, calling out T.O. that he was just being selfish and just being the jerk that he usually tends to be um, when he didn't want to, um, when he wasn't going to go to, or when the NFL said, hey, you know what, we're not even going to mention his name. If he doesn't show up, he's in the Hall of Fame and all that. Like, there was like a tweet on that. I was like, wow, way to go, NFL. And I was like, wow. I was like, see you later, T.O. And then like the next day I got up in the morning and I was like, you know, I kind of know how many followers I have in the back of my head. It's like, I don't know the exact number. I don't care that much, but I know the vicinity it is. And all of a sudden I looked, I was like, oh, shit. I must have had a lot of T.O. followers. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? How did T.O. have so many fans here? And then I was reading up, like, you know, people like Ray Lewis lost, like, 60% of his followers. And, um you know, I was like, oh, okay, they, they they did a purge. But at first, I was like, I was bummed out for a minute. I'm like, I lost like 700. I asked Dex, I'm like, did you lose something? He's like, I saw it go down a little bit. But I was like, dude, my account was like 700. And finally, I read it. I was like, ah, phew. Okay, I can handle that. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Yeah, I, I was surprised. I, I heard everybody talking about it or saw everybody talking about it. And I'm just like, I don't think mine went down. But I, then again, at the same time, there was a – the the list had come out this year that the Ryan McDowell's list um, that bumped me up some, but the the uh, fantasy pros thing bumped me up quite a bit. What? What? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Tell them. Tell them about that. The, uh, that, that. That was awesome news. When I saw that, I was super fired up about it. Um, tell. Tell. Yeah. About it. I, I actually didn't want to bring it up, but I, I kind of want to stay humble, humble about it because I kind of feel a little bit like a blind squirrel that found a nut, you know, like it, it was only, well, it was the first year that fantasy pros has like included me in the published expert rankings. Like for the past two years, I think uh, I've been doing my rankings through fantasy pros and I could see how I did against the experts. And most of the time I was in between 30 and 40 um, in the rankings. But then, you know, when they finally published my first draft out of the box, I, I came in 10th as far as uh, the draft accuracy rankings. So I, I, I was, I was, I, my jaw hit the floor when I saw that. I was, I was so pumped for it. Pretty excited. <laughs> All of a sudden it's like someone tweeted me like, two of the pyro boys, top 10, because Waz finished fifth. And, right. Um, yeah. Was yeah. and was the great. So that's the that's the preseason one that you're talking about. Basically, you know. Yeah, that's the draft. Season rankings, and basically, you give your rankings before the season starts. I think they give you up until like 
you know, the day of the season, the right. kickoff, the kick, maybe it's one or two days before that, but you can put your rankings in like right before the season starts. And then at the end of the season, they go and say, all right, who's the best preseason uh, ranking? You finished 10, Waz finished uh, nine. I think we finished 30th. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we finished 30th. Or something, our our collective me stags and uh, Udinis, um, which now this year is probably going to include you and, and Waz as well. Um, so that's great news, man. Yeah, I was pumped for you guys. Uh, it's pretty impressive to be uh, top 10 in that stuff. Uh, I know how hard that stuff is, man. It's like the dog used to do them by hand, and then he went on vacation for a couple weeks, and I'd like replace him. And I was doing these rankings. I was like, God damn it, this guy does this every friggin' week in season. I was like, and my rankings, I did, I got, like you said, I got lucky one week and did pretty good. And I was like, yeah, all right, see, I can do this. And then, like, really <laughs> high on my horse the next week, I was like fifth to last for the week. And I was like, all right, dog, when are you coming back? Uh, I'm sick of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah, not in, in season, it's tough because you have to have one ranking in by Wednesday and then another one, you know, yeah. you want to update it before the games. And it just, it gets hairy in season. Uh, I, I think I did well in the, you know, the preseason draft rankings just because I had a lot of spare time on my hands last summer. Not, I don't have nearly as much this summer, but, you know, That's we'll awesome. see. Cool. Before we go on, um, if everyone can uh, take a little moment and uh, take listen to this word from our sponsor. Sweet, sweet. So what's, um, you know, who's uh, another Twitter handle? No, what's, just tell me, other than just the fantasy side of things, um, you know, or any, anything in general, what, what do you love? What's kind of a topic or a thing that you love about Twitter? And then, um, you know, at the same time, we'll do a yang and a yang. What's one of the things um, you hate about Twitter? Um. One of the, let me start with one of the things I love. The, one of the things I love is information, but just like the soundness of it. Like the, there's a couple of people I follow. Um, one of them is Kevin uh, at the underscore FF underscore engineer. Uh, and he, he, he has this idea. He has a podcast too, but he has this idea of uh, borrowed brilliance. So basically that's, that's what I get from Twitter is like, uh, I'm, borrowing everybody else's brilliance in order to come up with these rankings and projections and what have you. Um, just today, uh, uh, Kevin, um, posted a tweet. It was, uh, every year I say the same thing. 20% of fantasy football Twitter actually, actually overreacts while 80% scoffs and underreacts. The proper response is to pay attention, find value, gain confidence, but not necessarily move a player up or down. So there's little tidbits like that that just get thrown out that you're like, it's soundness. You know, these are the thoughts and uh, people are putting it out there that, look, you know, everybody's going to overreact, especially this time of year, because we've been dying for any news the past three or four weeks. I mean, we, we promote news about rookies signing their initial contract. And it's like, why is that at all important to me right now? Um, so anything that's coming out right now, people are going to overreact or just blow it off completely. But, you know, just that, that, that there are a couple of people out there that kind of bring it together and say, whoa, you know, this is all information. Some of it we're going to use, some of it we're not. Let's not react instantly to it. 
And that's probably the other thing I don't like about Twitter is the instant reactions. It's, you know, uh, one of the people I follow that puts out a lot of good information is uh, Amixta. Um, I can't think of his actual name, but it's A-M-I-C-S-T-A. Um, he puts out stats all the time, and he put out his projections about a month ago, and he had Patrick Mahomes as the number three quarterback. And there were so many people that jumped on him instantly. And I, I was like, well, wait a second. You know, Alex Smith was the number four quarterback last year, and didn't they draft him because – they thought he was going to be better than Alex Smith, and now he has an additional wide receiver one. You know, like, how, why are we jumping all over this thought, this idea, this projection, not a ranking, a projection, when it is definitely feasible? We just saw it. Like, I, it, so the, the instant reactions sometimes and the, this kind of the negative instant reactions are like, take a step back. Think about this. Like, this is entirely possible. That sort of thing. Yeah, I love it. I think that's a, you know, you've mentioned what, uh, you know, just it news. I think it's like this this program, news feeds and news and keeping your eye and your finger on the pulse of what's happening around the league um, on a daily basis. So you're always kind of got a sharpened knife and just like, I think, you know, between Twitter, between some of the sites that I go to on the regular, um, and and check out just knowing that plus the Twitter and getting these kind of figureheads and these smart people that you really respect and always kind of bouncing in and putting lists together with those guys and, 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 and kind of taking that plus, um, you know, I think th- those two elements are, are so important to create your tiers and, you know, we're all about the tiers for your draft. So I think it's so smart that I can be someone that are overreacts to some things but I don't think I'd really do when it comes to football, um, unless I already harbor some 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 love or some hate for a player. Like if a player I don't really like or thinks it's kind of dick does something dicky, I kind of pounce on it a little bit. Uh, reaffirms reaffirms some of my uh, favorites or hate, hate uh, least favorites. And then on the flip side, if a player I love does something great, um, I'm kind of one of those guys that you know that'll uh, pour fire on it. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great point. You brought up, you know, the thing they hate about it is the trolls. Um, you know, you, you sit here and uh, let's go to another handle that I, I like and respect. Um, I think the guy doesn't like me to be honest, because a while ago I did an expert, um, a dra- league draft with him, uh, this is probably five, six, probably seven years ago. And uh, his Twitter handle is JJ Zacharyson, um, Zacharyson. And he's at late round QB, another very popular guy. Um, which which side is he at again? I'm uh, Rotoviz. Yeah, I think he, he no, he is the CEO of Numberfire. Numberfire, that's what I meant. Numberfire. So he's yeah, he's Numberfire. Um, but anyway, I was in this league and we were drafting, and I kind of like talking shit in leagues just because I'm kind of that guy. Um, and I hear you. Yeah, I think I did the same thing to Mo a couple of years ago. I think I might have rubbed him the wrong way one time. I love it because Mo, that is so perfect. Mo's probably listening. He's like, "Oh no, D's gonna pour out." Mo's got definitely has a real. He's a real sensitive guy. Whenever I, whenever I give him a hard time, he really takes it hard. He's like, "Dude," and then you, then you were being a, a jerk to me on the show. And I'm like, "Mo, I'm just having fun. I'm throwing back beers." 
It's that's I, you know I love one of my my favorite musicians is the the Gallagher brothers of Oasis. I'm just that guy. I want to fuck. I want to be kind of a, a dick more than I want to be Mr. Nice Guy. Um, <laughs> but in this draft with JJ, his Twitter handle and his team name is obviously late round QB. He kind of came up with that concept where in fantasy football, um, you know, you don't have to grab, and it's more. Now it's it's a no-brainer. There's just so many, you know, it's 20 quarterbacks that that, that are all going to do very well this season. But, you know, back a while ago, there wasn't as many um, on the top half and, and as many great quarterbacks around the league. But his big thing was late-round QB. So he waited forever, and then he grabbed Ben Roethlisberger, and I, and I gave it to him. Like, your name is late-round <laughs> QB, and you went with Roethlisberger? Like, oh, my God, I feel like, I feel like I've been misled, like – I was totally, I was totally <laughs> Anyway, that's a stupid story, but it's one of those ones where I, I've kind of reached out and been nice to him over the years since. Uh, and it, 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 he might not even remember this or even think about it, but he's, he's never like, oh, cool, great, thanks. He's always just like, it's like crickets. Um, so, but he, the thing I hate about Twitter is kind of this, and it happens to me a lot. I've stopped uh, for a while, you know, I, it's probably been about the last eight months. I probably tweeted 10 things about Trump and I, I, I try not to mention him by name. It's more of just like stuff that I'll do, you know, politics or something you should probably stay away from if you're trying, you know, stick to sports and all that stuff. So I, I used to do it a lot more just cause you know, whatever, I'm not going to lie. Not, a, not a fan of the guy and his racism. Um, so I'm with you. Yeah, I know you are. It's just the guy's a dick. So whatever. Um, but I, you know, I, 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 I Decided, you know what? I don't need to tweet every thing I hate about the guy that I read. It's just I, I kind of agree with people that are like stick to sports in some way. So sometimes I do it. But here's basically uh, a tweet that's basically uh, someone sent to JJ Zacharyson. And I think it probably had to do with um, either a Le'Veon Bell. I, I don't I didn't go back to the whole thread on why this person quote-unquote unfollowed him, but it's probably either about Julio Jones wanting more money when he's already on the contract, or it's probably That's about... That's what it was. Money. Yeah, probably it was about Julio Jones. He made a mention. It, it, was, it was JJ saying that uh, the players should hold out to get as much as they possibly can. I, I, I saw that. I fully agree with that. Why, why would anybody yeah. want to stick on the owner's side when these guys are getting their, their, their lives destroyed and the owners are rev-sharing... $225 million um, a piece, a, a season. It's like, it's a no-brainer. Get, let, these guys got to get paid. This is football. You, you might, you might have, think about a uh, perfect thing is Shazier. You know, Shazier, just like, I don't think right now that guy was, did, didn't have a little more money in his account. After now, he probably will never be on a football field again. Anyway, here's, here's the tweet in response to what you were talking about from a guy named Dean Yops. Uh, at late round QB, just a quick goodbye before I unfollow you. Your political banter and retweets, and now your completely insane position on Julio have pushed me away. You are what's wrong with people and taking responsibility for their actions today. Bye. And it's like, again, <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll miss you. Whenever you see these in, like, comments on sites, these people, these quote-unquote, they call us liberals, the snowflakes, but come on, um, like I sent maybe like six political tweets of nearly 90,000. You'll miss out on Jeff Fisher gifts though. Good luck living without those hilarious response. So um, hilarious. 
that's kind of what I hate about Twitter. Whenever you do have an opinion that doesn't rub someone, you get the trolls, just the people that are like, you know, hey, you know, that just being a jerk. And it's like, I'm, I'm following you for that. Stick to sports. And you're just like, okay, I don't even want you around anyways. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. And I also don't like people on that. You, you make a call. It's what I'm supposed to do in this industry. And they're like, you are the worst. You are an idiot, dude. And you're just like, settle down, guy. Well, you know, and, when I, and what I've also noticed, and we'll keep it positive on the shows, the people that do that kind of stuff, they're not contributors. They're not contributing right. to the overall uh, product of Twitter. They're just sitting there with their little ghost oil painting eyes, and they're just trolling and being dicks to anything. But you go and you look at their account, and every tweet they do is ripping on someone else that's actually trying to contribute and give something out there. It's just, uh, it's, it, it's kind of, so that would be by far the only, the thing that I hate most about Twitter. I like the politics. Um, I, I, I like the conversation. I, I try not to do it on my Twitter handle, but I, that, that stuff doesn't bother me whatsoever. It's like, I know how different everyone is uh, around this country and around the world. So I embrace that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like uh, it, it's one of those things. There's going to be negativity everywhere. Like some people are just negative people and, you know, and generally they're the sheep, you know, like mm-hmm. JJ in that case is the shepherd. Like it, it, one sheep wants to leave the flock, we just let him go. And it, 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 <laughs> it's one of those, whatever, you know, I like that but when I get once in a while, I'll get somebody like that and I'll just, you know, sorry you feel that way you know or agree to disagree and like actually the other day somebody said something that was uh he disagreed with something i had said or tweeted and uh i just said to him we'll agree to disagree and about 20 minutes later he tweets back actually i checked a couple of things you were right i'm agreeing with you now so you know sometimes it's just avoid the confrontation and just you know like other times I've said some things like, uh, you know, seems I've touched a button, triggered you in some way. I apologize for that. Uh, you know, it, it, this is just what I'm, I'm saying. And it kind of, it kind of turns their mentality to, Oh, you know, he's just trying to give good advice. He's not trying to screw people up. So sometimes it works. Sometimes you just got to troll that I mute them. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever blocked anybody. Um, I, I really don't care. I, 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 if someone wants to go toe to toe with me, you'll see some of my direct tweets. Um, you know, I, I've had within the last six months, I this one guy kept coming back at me. I think I posted something about um, the not after Vegas after about not needing these uh, weapons grade military style rifles. And you know, God, is that the best way to get trolls on it? The same old. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not, these, it's crazy. But anyway, I don't, we won't get too political on the show, but after a while, I was basically like, kept coming at him. I'm like, dude, enough. I'm moving on. It's like, boom, boom. I'm like, all right, buddy, let's figure out where we can meet in an alley. You don't bring your gun. I don't bring my gun. I'm going to knock you out. And the guy just totally shut up. <laughs> He's like, I tried to get away from this. Now we just got to fight. <laughs> Crazy bastard! Thinking about that moment, I'm, I'm, it's hot as hell here in Chicago. My poor dog in the other room. I've got you know, we you know how it is. You got to turn the AC off because these microphones pick up everything. Uh, uh, one of the drawbacks of podcasting in the summer. But 
one of the benefits is a Bell Fire Day. I'm drinking uh, uh, Finch's Beer Company. It's a local uh, Chicago brewery. They do some nice stuff. It's called Plumage, and it's an Indian pale ale. Uh, good, good time. A little hop forward, a citrusy, uh, citra and uh, blanc hops. I like it because it's only um, it's only six point three percent. But yeah, it's good, good local brewery. You having any uh, Valverde's tonight? Yeah, well, uh, I. Uh... Looked in my fridge this afternoon, and I saw I had one nasty old natural light left in there. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be on a podcast tonight, so i got to stop at the liquor store. And I go in there, and I saw uh, a 12-pack or 15-pack of that Founders IP, the all-day IPA that I've heard you talk about, I believe. Yeah. So I go to grab that, and then I look down, and I see this highlight that you said was one of the greatest beers you'd ever had or whatever. Well, and I'm like, wow, that's two beers that he mentioned. So I, I picked up the highlight and I'm not one for drinking during the week because, you know, I got to wake up at five thirty or so to get ready for school. But, uh, I did not realize it's 7.5% alcohol. And I just opened a second one. This is not looking good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that stuff's really good. They came in February over here. Um, I love it. I, 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 I was drinking a lot of it when it first came here because, you know, you're just like a kid in the candy store, port, pervert in a porno shop. Finally, I can get this stuff here, and I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to get it when I'm in Colorado or in um, Florida or whatever. Um, and I, I kind of I, – I just went crazy on it for the first couple months. I had to stop doing it for the reason you said, the 7.5. It was just like I, I like working at night. I like – throwing a little buzz on, doing some work after work on pyro or what if I'm working on some side design projects for clients or friends or whatever. And I, I would throw down a five or six of those and I'd be wasted. And I was like, my productivity seems like it's kind of down. I'm not getting enough stuff done per week. And I was like, <laughs> I was doing like a, an audit on my life. And I was like, you know what? I think it's that fucking highlight. This shit just really gets you wasted. So while I still love it and I buy it here or there, I had to kind of go on highlight detox because um, it just it, it, it definitely gets you gets you a little bit gets you buzzed fast. But uh, nice work uh, drinking that. And yeah, those all days are more. Those are great IPAs just in the future because those are sessionables. Where those all day IPAs are only four point five, which is basically like oh. I think it's like a Coors. So it tastes, it has that IPA taste, but it doesn't have, you know, the session, it's a sessionable, so you can actually, you don't get shit-faced, you can drink it during the day. Um, I also like the founder stuff because they, they do their beers, their 12 packs are all 15 packs for the price of 12 packs. Right. So you buy it and you're getting three free, free beers. So hats off. You see a lot more breweries are doing that these days. They're like, you know what? Let's just, let's just give them three beers and make them, give them that value add and people will be buying ours instead of all these there's so many beers out there you know so um let's do a a part of you're on the clock um and this is kind of a little side segment thing that we're going to bounce in maybe we'll do one or two right now um and essentially we were talking about some segments uh and things we could talk about in the show and one of the things we thought was fun before we came up with this twitter idea was you know you're on the clock and we'll give a specific um, you know, round and a specific pick, and then we'll put out four-inch names 
and which guy out of those four are you going to take? So I, I'm not going to necessarily go from the top down. Um, I don't think we have to do that way. So I'm going to kind of start in the middle. Um, and all these guys that I list here, um, you know, you give your answer and we can kind of talk through it. And I'll give my answer and talk through it some. Uh, but we'll do, the, we'll do the round three, pick 28. So you're in a 12-man league. Um, and you're, uh, you're basically at the kind of somewhat of the front end of the third round. Um, you're on the clock right now, and these four guys are available and who you're, you're thinking about. Or if you want, you can throw out another name that's in there uh, in that vicinity, preferably probably a little bit lower, um, just because we're going to assume that the guys that are ADP higher are already gone. Um, so round three, it's pick 28. Wheeler, the man, the guy who finished 10th in pre-ranking in Fantasy Pros for the experts last year, has Jarek McKinnon available. Travis Kelsey available, LaShawn McCoy available, and Joe Mixon. I don't think it really matters what the makeup, you know, you've already picked what position, you know, whatever. We don't have to go that deep into the weeds. You've got those four, McKinnon, Kelsey, McCoy, and Joe Mixon. Your first, earliest pick of the third round, who are you going with out of those four? Um, my, my first reaction is Joe Mixon. Like, uh, so he was a rookie last year, and um, the head coach of Cincinnati, whose name escapes me at this very moment, um, he hates rookies. Like, he never plays rookies. Uh, yeah, he never plays rookies. And Joe Mixon did get some time as a rookie. Didn't do great, but now that he's a sophomore, second year, you know, he was going to be – he probably would have been a, a top one, two, three – Actually, I think he was still a top four running back drafted in last year's draft. Um, but he he hit his girl and she broke her jaw, and so he dropped. And uh, while I don't condone that type of behavior at all, um, I I would probably go with Joe Mixon. I mean, if it's a tight end premium of any uh, sort, I would go with Kelsey. If it um, if it's PPR, I would consider in uh, the next four that you have here, I would consider Doug Baldwin as well. Um, but given those four, I would probably side with Joe Mixon at that point. I mean, pick 28 also, you're figuring I'm getting um, my first round top four running back. I probably came back in the second with a receiver. So in, in the standard scoring league, I'm going to want a second running back, and Joe Mixon could be that bell cow. He could be, you know, this year's Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah. it, I think what you um, said is, is, is huge. Basically, if he hadn't, you know, knocked that girl out, and I'm with you, I think he's a punk for doing that. Um, I'm all about giving second chances. Uh, but, you know, he probably, um, you know, he would have been a top uh, 15 pick. Uh, in, in in the draft, and uh, you know, I think he's a clear cut guy this year. Last year, there was there's uh, you know a few more options. You had Jeremy Hill, who's now on uh, at least for the time being on the Patriots. Um, Neo Geo was coming back from uh, you know an injury. I don't think he even I think he didn't even start or play much until uh, maybe I'm wrong, but the first, like, a couple games of the season. But regardless, he was coming off a serious injury before last season. Um, and now it's just – it's the Mixon show. He's got the guy um, – who's the Mark – what's the Mark guy that they drafted that people are liking um, this year? I'm spacing his name. Um, Mark – oh, God. I'll, I'll, oh, sorry. I'll, 
remember in a minute, but they did draft um, a kind of a guy that people think are, are going to be is going to be pretty good uh, at running back. Uh, they, Walton, Walton, yeah, Walton. That's it, um, the Waltons. Uh, but yeah, I mean that <laughs> team that team was so inefficient last year. They had the least well, amount. Of, they had the least amount of plays, I think, of any team uh, in the league. Um, you know, there's there's something that uh, uh, Rich uh, Highbar. Uh, had mentioned uh Rybar's mentioned on this uh he's from Roto World. Um that Lord Reeves. Yeah, he's one of the tops. We'll definitely mention we'll talk about him in a little bit. He's he's sick on Twitter. But basically he said when you look at uh their how many uh offensive plays they had per game uh, over Marvin Lewis's tenure, which is about under sixty, basically what that amounts to compared to how other teams do. They only play 14 and a half uh, games. <laughs> they, they have so few offensive plays that compared to other teams, it's like they're playing less games. Um, so I'm uh, writing that down. So <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 that's, that's a good one. Basically, um, um, so that's not great, but I think at the same time, it's got to be, it's got to become better. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be regression to the mean there. There's that. I mean, it's still it. It's going to get closer to league average. Like positive, it, it's just going to. Progression. Yes, I agree. Um, and you know, I, their offensive line has improved immensely too. Uh, last year, before the season, they like sold everybody on the offensive line, and I couldn't figure out why. But then this year, they uh, they reestablished a couple of spots on that O line and. Uh, it, it's prime for Mixon. I will say this though: up until two weeks ago, this would have been Lashawn McCoy. The only reason I didn't say Lashawn McCoy is because one, I don't think he's going to be this season, but he could be suspended. The, the NFL could put him in that on that commissioner's list or whatever it is, and just be like, "We'll pay you, but you're not going to play." I'm not sure if they're going to do that, but. You know, with the news of him possibly beating a kid, beating a dog, beating or having somebody uh, allegedly um, come and uh, beat his uh, ex-girlfriend. You know, well, I've actually gotten my first couple of shares of LaShawn McCoy this year, but I got them in the late fifth, early sixth round. Like right after that news broke, he dropped like a rock. And by the time it was the sixth round, I'm like, you're kidding me. Like if he plays the whole season, even if he regresses from what he usually is, you know, if, if you see him in that late fifth, early sixth round, give it a shot. You know, you, you don't have much to lose, but uh, yeah. yeah you know, that Bill's offensive line is a hot mess. And that team all around seems like a hot mess. But if LaShawn McCoy is the starting running back, you, you, he's going to be, a quality play. Like there's just, you know, I completely agree. Just don't I, know if he's going to play at this point. <laughs> yeah. If, if everyone's, if everyone's staying away from him because they don't like him or think he's going to, uh, and then he, he kind of turns into a value, which, you know, honestly, over the past couple of years, just because, you know, Buffalo and you just don't know what, how many points they're going to score. It's just not the greatest offense. Um, shit. I'm going to pounce on him for sure. Uh, I agree with that call. I think, you know, the guy that out of this pick that I would do, and, um, I, you know, this is one of those ones that I'm going to be, like, fist pumping in the air and halfway through the season or at the end of the season. I'm like, yeah, 
my Niners and this Jarek McKinnon call, and I, I I rode him, and I was I was right, and I went high on him because he's one of my, I like him, and I, I just have a good feeling about him. Or I'm gonna it's gonna be one of those guys that kind of you know tanks a couple of my teams in different leagues because I'm I'm kind of sold on Jarek McKinnon. I know the I know the reason why people aren't. I get it. Can he take the workload? Um, he's never been the future back. Is he, you know, is he more of a Tevin Coleman uh, in an offense and not the, um, you know, Devonta Freeman? Um, I get all of it, but I, I kind of just trust Shanahan. I trust what's going on there in the Niners. I think it's just it, the team, you just saw it in those last five, six games last year. I like the momentum. I think the defense and the offense are going to be great. And, and he is a bell cow back, which all signs point to that. Um, you know, it's basically Matt Breida is, is who I like, but that's not all that much competition. They let, um, they let, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde go and Carlos Hyde didn't even get paid that much, you know, on the Browns, they, they could have, they could have kind of signed him on the cheap. He would have rather stayed in San Francisco. I'll tell you that. Um, so I, I think that McKinnon, um, a lot of unknowns there, a lot of question marks, but I, I, I'm the kind of guy that likes to roll the dice a little bit, and I'll, I'll take some risks. And when they blow up in your face, all right, that's that's part of the uh, that, that, that's a that's a that's an effect and an aftermath of being risky. And I'm willing to take it on the chin. But when they do connect, do connect, and the, and you get those serendipitous moments and those calls, they truly do. Um, they are the difference maker. They're the championship. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's, there's, you take the good, you take the bad. Uh, and no, I'm not going to sing the facts of life, uh, jingle. Um, but when it, when it, when it all comes together and the stars align, you're just sitting there at the end of a championship season. You're like, all right, dude, I risked on the early third round. People were laughing at my Jarek McKinnon. I was taking them over guys that had a, a better resume and, and, and probably more um, a, a more solid, um, you know, safer pick. But um, I wrote on this guy, and it, and it paid off for me. So I'm 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 in on Jarek McKinnon this year. I have been from the minute he signed. I love everything I'm hearing about him. I've been watching, you know, I've been doing that Jack Sniffer stuff where I watch his videos and working out and doing mm-hmm. crazy stuff, just getting ready, Rocky style for the big Drago fight. Um, so I'm pretty pumped on Jarek McKinnon. And for me, just the next guy I'll say is Travis Kelsey's been on my team every year, since it, on every team, literally every year since he's been in. I go high on him, uh, you know, more like sixth, seventh round a few years ago. I think last year I was grabbing him. In the fourth round, I mean, I had him in. I have him in every league probably for the last four, three, four years. Um, not always going too high, you know. I just, I just don't think I don't see Travis Kelsey being um, on as many of my teams if he's going in the third round, which is basically what his uh, ADP value is now. So I could see. Usually, I just love Travis Kelsey and putting him with who we were talking about earlier, Mahomes. Uh, the second, I mean, Jesus, I love what that could happen with a rook. Uh, he's not a rookie, but he's kind of a red-shirted rookie. Um, right. I love what Kelsey should be able to do because I, as people have heard me say on this show for, for a long time, at least the last couple of years, because I watch these games and I've got Kelsey on all my teams. Like, I need him to be awesome. Uh, Alex Smith, as good as he was last year, and as much as he's given Kelsey, 
There were so many plays over the last three years where Kelsey was wide open and Alex Smith missed them. And it's the most infuriating thing. That doesn't mean that Mahomes isn't going to have that same thing happen as well. But um, I can just see the the sling it and wing it style of uh, Mahomes really paying off for uh, Kelsey. But again, early third round, Travis Kelsey taking a tight end in general. It's not a smart enough move. What his cap, you know, the cap in, in standard league, especially, uh, you know, he helps out helps out with a lot of um, you know PPR action, and he's going to probably have another thousand yard season. But I just don't know if I see the value there. I, you got to kind of you got to get those running backs and potentially even uh, wide receivers. I think uh, before you're going in in the third round and plucking into that Kelsey uh, Ertz uh, kind of zone. I think those guys have kind of moved up a little too much. I totally agree with you about Kelsey. I mean, you know. I think he was helped and hurt by Alex Smith and Mahomes being a better quarterback. I don't know if that helps him or hurts him. I think Mahomes having a stronger arm anyway. I'm not going to say he's a better quarterback. Let's say he, you know, he's more, he's less of a dink and dunker is what I gather. Um, So I think you're going to see some of Kelsey's targets trimmed off and some of them got to go to Sammy Watkins. Um, and then on the McKinnon, uh, I will say this. I like him, but early third round is way too high for me. I, you know, I've drafted over 60 drafts, at least probably closer to 70 at this point. Um, I have zero shares of McKinnon at all. Um, and I just saw a tweet today from uh, at Frisco Josh. It's Josh Hermsmeyer. He's the one that is, uh, he does the air yards, yeah. uh, airyards.com or something. Um, he said uh, one of the reasons why people are high on McKinnon is because he's always been this freak spark X athlete, um, you know, pre- player profiler, his, his bars go all the way to the top. Um, but Her- Hermsmeyer says, uh, despite testing out as the 99th percentile athlete at the combine, Jarek McKinnon's game speed with helmet and pads on was well below average in 2017. Um, so, they're, 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 you know, while he's a tremendous spark athlete, not all of that always translates to the field. You know, I've seen, you know, plenty of MVPs in practice, but then they get onto the field and, you know, you see flashes of it, but it's nothing consistent. And that's kind of what I feel like we've seen from McKinnon so far. He's had his opportunity in Minnesota and yeah, he did well, but he didn't do bell cow well. And that kind of and and I have I have probably ten shares of uh, uh, Matt Breida in the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth round. Sometimes even later, if you know you catch the right crowd. So I, yeah, that that's how I've been hedging my bet against McKinnon is just picking up Breida late. I like it. I and again, I know, I know. That I've, I've been saying me and Houdini, and I know that this doesn't impress people that are all about the analytics and the data and all that stuff. And uh, I am kind of someone that goes with my heart, and uh, it's been very successful for me in, in, in moments. I've got a lot of championships across different leagues. Um, but at the same time, uh, for an expert and people in my leagues, they'll be like, aren't you, <laughs> stuff? aren't you like, shouldn't you be winning this thing every year? And it's just like, fuck off. Um, those risks – Sometimes you're you're uh, if you take too many risks and too many of them don't don't hit and there's no guarantee. Jared McKinnon could be what everyone uh, thinks, like such as yourself. He could 
you might not hit it. So when that happens, you're, you can kind of have a, a shitty season in the league or two. Um, you know, right. it just happens. So I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to take hedge. Uh, it's not even hedging my bets. I'm willing to go all in. Um, so yeah, I, 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 but I completely agree. Everyone that has anything to say that's not in the, in the narrative of what I'm thinking in my wishful thinking mind, um, I'm not like, well, no, no. I'm like, yep, you totally could be right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too blind to see that. Uh, I might just have a little bit of fool's gold that I want to dive after. Um, all right, let's keep on this. And this is kind of a guy that you mentioned as well in that last batch. So same round. You're obviously, let's just say, we're drafting a different team. Uh, we don't have two right. teams in this league. Um, it's round three. And it's five picks later at pick 33. So on this pick, you've got Doug Baldwin sitting there. You've got Aaron Rodgers. I'm not even hesitating. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is still on the board. T.Y. Hilton's there. And then you've got Adam Thielen. Or let's say you're higher on Stephon Diggs or whatever. You could take a Diggs. Or if there's another guy that you think's in that ADP range, you're taking a Baldwin over a Rodgers? Yeah. Yeah, I, I won't take Rodgers before the fifth round, which means, uh, you know, I only get Rodgers in expert leagues when I'm drafting against, you know, stags or whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, over the past three seasons, Baldwin's been one of four players to post over 3,000 receiving yards and 25 touchdowns. Uh, that tweet came from somewhere, and I did not mark it down. So I'm going to have to look that up. But, yeah, yeah. He's just the most consistent, and Jimmy Graham's gone, so he's got to get some more at end zone targets and just targets in general. Um, Paul Richardson's gone, uh, which means Tyler Lockett could step up, or Amara Darbo, or uh, Jerron Brown, or what. There's really nobody else that's going to. Baldwin has to get peppered with targets if they're going to be successful at all. Um, and he, he runs mostly from the slot, so he's not going to get the bump and run coverage. He's not going to have the top cornerback on him. Or if he does have the top cornerback, it'll be you know he'll be out of place half of the time because Baldwin's constantly moving around. So you know the, the quarterback uh, Russell Wilson is a perfect quarterback for Baldwin, and and vice versa. You know they just have that as soon as Russell Wilson starts scrambling, which he. This has to do on pretty much every play. Uh, Baldwin knows exactly where to go to be the open man, and he hits him. I just did a search for uh, Baldwin, and I'm 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 a little bit upset I did this because damn, this girl's hot. Uh, the number one <laughs> the number one person coming back, I guess, some girl named Haley Baldwin just got engaged to uh, Justin Bieber. Uh, it's Stephen Baldwin's daughter. Jesus Christ, she's hot. How did Stephen Baldwin, that ugly putz, have such a hot daughter? Nice work, Bieber. Uh, Sorry, I'm getting Bieber. distracted. Are we on the air right now? Um, <laughs> I was trying to find that. That's another thing that I love about Twitter. You can remember a tweet like that, and when you remember it, but you haven't sent, you know, liked it in my case, sent yourself an email or a, 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 a direct message of it to yourself in your case. Um, it is pretty amazing how if you know what a tweet said. You can type it into search, and you know maybe you got to do a couple tries to finagle it. You know, like uh, one and three, did they write the word one or was it the number one? But you can like find tweets that you know kind of the gist of, 
but you don't, you want to go back to Twitter search is fucking awesome. Um, I, I'm a big fan of being able to go back and find tweets that I want to revisit for fantasy writing or if it's uh, just whatever, you know, even I, I use Twitter a lot for politics, news, any type of thing, but I also use it a lot for music um, and also use it a lot for cinema and films. I'm a big film buff. So um, that's one thing I'll say that just about my account, just to talk about it a little bit. Um, it pisses some people off and I get a lot of people that unfollow me because I'll be working at night, having some beers, and just chilling out. I listen to a lot of music, um, and I love music. And I've been music's a huge part of my life. Going to concerts are a huge part of my life. Um, I listen to more music on a weekly basis than a huge percentage of the world. It's just like I'm always listening to music, and I like all different styles. So that comes through on my account. A lot of this culture and non-football stuff. I will say that. The Pyromaniac account is is about football, is about, you know, being a good person and good things that are happening around the world. But I definitely do a lot of film and, and even more so a lot of music stuff. And there's a lot of – and that's just what I'm going to do. I'm never going to stop doing that. And I lose a lot of people who are like, I don't want to hear anything from this friggin' – aren't you a fantasy football site? And it's like, yes. But I'm a cultured person that has a lot of um, – hobbies and a lot of likes and i'm not just going to sit here and only talk about fantasy football do you do you all right we're going so you're doing baldwin um here's here's the devil's advocate i'll i'll put on you and i've i've found myself when people talk about all those targets that have opened up and all the red zone targets that have opened up with jimmy leaving but then also paul richardson's gone um, who had a great season last year and got paid as a result of it um, this year with Washington. I kind of side on, I think you're right. I think Doug Baldwin's great value um, in the third round. I, I really like him. And there's a lot of people out there that are just are big Baldwin fans because he's very consistent and he kind of never lets you down. Um, but couldn't that, couldn't that lack of the second option in Jimmy and, um, you know, to play devil's advocate. And I hear a lot of people say this in their comments on whether it's a post or whether it's a tweet reply. Uh, couldn't that make it so that defenses are able to focus on Baldwin more? Does that scare you at all about his thing where it's like now they don't have to worry about the speed of uh, Richardson or the, the, you know, just the awesome catching ability and, and leap up and get it uh, aspect of Jimmy. Does that, you just think it's all about the targets and you're not worried about him getting blanketed? Um, I'm not worried about him being blanketed just because he he changes positions on the field. He'll go in motion. He'll, he'll, he'll they'll put him in patterns that are off coverage. You know, like there's ways to scheme him around the defense. Um, and he's experienced enough. And a lot of what Wilson is able to do as a quarterback is his ability to scramble. So as long as his ankles are fine, he scrambles around. He buys the time for the player to get open and Baldwin and him have that connection. So, you know, when it comes to receivers, I'm always going to follow the targets. It's the most consistent thing you can predict. And it's, it, it drives fantasy points more than anything. Um, so, and in that in that range, especially like if I'm looking for a receiver, the re- other receiver in that area is T.Y. Hilton that I would consider. Um, 
just because luck is back and Hilton should have a big year. And if we have a 100% healthy luck, then Hilton is undervalued at this point too. But um, we don't know if we have 100% of luck. Um, you know, I have more shares of luck than I have of any other quarterback because I can get him in the 10th or 11th round still. But, um, and yeah, I grab as much Hilton as I can if I can't get Baldwin first. It's just, there's that, I know the quarterback and receiver connection is there. I know, or at least I think Russell Wilson is 100% healthy and um, it, it, it's his go-to guy. It's going to have to be the guy. He won't get all of the empty targets that are there. Of course not. But, you know, if his targets go up by 20 to 25, then his points are going to go up by 20 to 25. And it, it, if but, Luck, you know, they're saying, they're saying no strings on Luck's arm uh, heading into camp. So everyone, you know, who knows if that's true, but you got to love the Frank Reich uh, offense. T.Y. Hilton almost had 1,000 yards on 60 catches last year um, with that shit stain of a, a, a quarterback <laughs> situation. Um, and and, and I, I like um, uh, I like the quarterback they had last year. I'm sorry, I was facing that trade that they traded for uh, uh, the Patriots, um, but he got traded like a week or two before the season started. It was just a crap season for him, and the guy still almost uh, put up. I yeah. think he was one of the top, top uh, receivers per um, catches uh, yards per catch. Yeah, he busts long touchdowns, even though they only you know they only had four last year. That guy's like. Anytime the ball touches his hands, he's, he could go yard. Um, so uh, he's just not – he's underrated, I think, in, in, in a lot of ways, T.Y. So him and Locke being back together, and you're, you're going to get people that are down on Hilton because of what happened last year. Um, I, I just I just absolutely uh, couldn't agree more um, that he's going he's gonna to be bound to uh, just out, outplay where he's getting drafted. So out of those guys, for me – T.Y. Hilton's the dude. I love the. I love all these guys. Um, I, I would consider a Rodgers in the third round, to be honest. Uh, I don't think my teams look as good when that happens. But for me, out of those uh, four or five players, I'm going with. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I'm taking T.Y. Hilton with an Andrew Luck. Can I ask you a question? Um, yeah. I'm in a keeper league, and I've got Andrew Luck in the 13th round using a 13th round pick. Or Derrick Henry using a tenth round pick, um, not ninth round pick. Out of those two options, what? Who would you choose? It's a PPR league. It's you know, it's it's not. It's there's some high scoring in it, uh, but you know, six six point touchdown for quarterbacks, but um, definitely some high scoring. Uh, and it's a and it's a high money. It's a high stakes league. The winner wins like eight or nine grand. Uh, but it's a small league. So literally only got – there's only – there was eight teams in the league last year. We added two for this year, so it's a 10-team league. Who do you like better, Derrick Henry with the ninth or um, Andrew Luck with the 13th? Oh, man. That's a uh, – my immediate reaction is Luck, of course. How many years can you keep him and how many keepers are there total? I can keep – I can keep until he becomes – his keeper is, is a top two. And some dude in my league drafted okay. some dude in my league drafted David Johnson his rookie year in like the oh. 18th, in the eighteenth round. So the guy's like so he has him forever, forever. 
So it's unbelievable. Obviously, it didn't help him last year. Uh, but this guy last year had David Johnson and uh, Todd Gurley on his team. And then David Johnson went right. down. So when it comes to me giving advice like this, I think about where those players would be drafted in a normal draft. Derrick Henry will probably be off the board in a, in a normal draft by the fourth round, maybe fifth round. Yep. Luck might sit on the board for a while, depending on how many people already have quarterbacks. If it's, if it's a local league, do they, do they tend to draft quarterbacks early or do they let them sit around? Because, I mean, you could probably let go of Luck and end up grabbing him in the 6th, 7th, 8th, and that might be early. Yeah. So, and, but, and you know what I'm saying? Like, and then you're locking in with Derrick Henry and you're still getting, you're still get, you're getting him at basically like a double the round. Because basically the next round we'll, do, we'll go one more of these pick things uh, But after we discuss this. But he's basically the 40th pick right now. So he's in a 12-man league. He's, you know, he's – He's a fourth round pick, uh, early fourth round pick. Um, there right? Yeah. Yeah. Late, no, late third round pick. Yeah, you're right. Uh, my math's terrible right now. I'm looking at it. Now fourth round. Good. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Um, cause I could still probably go back and get luck on the 10th, but I'm, then I'm securing, um, a fourth round pick with a ninth, with a, uh, and in reality, with the ninth pick, um, my my only right. and e- even is, if, even if you reach for luck in the eighth or ninth, you'll still have them for another. Is it one round per year? You know, oh, you lose two rounds per year. Yeah, two rounds per year, so you'd have them for another four. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna yeah. I hear what you're saying. It's it's tough. There's a lot to think about there. That's a you know on the surface you go oh of course it's luck in the thirteenth. But then you, you kind of go, well, wait a second, you know, I can still get luck in the in the ninth for sure. Uh, so yeah. that those are things you got to weigh too. Is where is ADP? Where is he going to be drafted? How long can I keep him? Cool. Well, we won't talk about my league anymore. I'm just going to quickly give you. Uh, <laughs> I know some people hate that stuff, but I, I don't mind it. Hey, I'm crowdsourcing up. Off of one of the one of the best at this, so I'm giving news for people while actually bettering um, my product. So piss off. Somebody else had that same question. There you go. That's the way I look at it. So Andrew Luck right now, his ADP is 94, uh, and he's sitting at about that's about QB 11. Um, so anyway, that's enough on that one. Let's do one more of these, and we'll get back to some Twitter discussion and talk about some handles and some fo- some must follows and some tweets that we like. Um, round four, pick forty. Here are your options. You're on the clock. Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake, uh, Darius Geis, or Rashad Penny. Hmm. While you think about am- that. Hold on, while you think about that, let's. I'm going to send us to a, an ad quickly. So you think about that for a second, and on the flip side of this ad, we'll hear your answer, and I'll give mine as well. So give us a minute, and uh, not even a minute, but give us a second, and listen to this word from our sponsor. All right, Wheeler, who are you, who are you, who are you digging on there? All right, so 
I, my first reaction was Derrick Henry. Um, I think he's going to get 60% of the touches in that backfield. I know they got Deion Lewis. I see Derrick Henry getting the first and second down work, Deion Lewis getting a third down work. I'm sure Deion Lewis will probably get close to 10 carries a game, but I see them using Derrick Henry as the main back. Um, I could be very wrong about that. Um, what was I say? Derrick Henry has had, when Den, Derrick Henry's had more than 10 rushing attempts, he's averaged uh, 12 and a half PPR points and 11 and a half standard points per game. Uh, over a full season, that would equate to the RB13 in PPR and the RB9 in standard. Um, and that was a random tweet by somebody I don't know, Randall Rant. But uh, just that stat kind of, that that bumped Henry up a little bit for me. It's, you know, when he gets the opportunity, he actually puts up the numbers. Yeah. A lot of his yards came from big last second plays where they're winding down the clock and he just kind of ran through somebody, but he does get the goal line work. And the guy that gets the carries inside the five is usually the guy that ends up with, you know, 10 touchdowns per year. Um, I did see something on Drake today, though, and um, look at there it goes. Uh, Kenyon Drake handled over 64% of the Dolphins' carries after uh, Ajay left. Uh, he saw Lamar Miller and Jay Ajay rush for 1,000 yards at age 23. Drake is age 24. So uh, Justin Lanero um, tweeted that uh, he thinks he th- uh, that Kenyon Drake should get 1,000 yards this season. And I kind of agree with that, but I could see Gore cutting into those carries, especially goal line carries, just taking that tough work away from Drake, uh, the heavy pounding, the short yardage. So I think I would pick Derrick Henry. Um, I think that would be my go-to with that pick, just because I think they're they're going to go with him. They, they let DeMarco Murray go for a reason. Lewis he has one season where he's played over 15 games. Um, he doesn't stay healthy, and I, I'm not trying to predict injuries or anything like that or wish injuries on anybody. I just see Derrick Henry being able to hold up under the, a heavier workload and benefit from not having to play every down, not having to take every snap, um, and being able to keep his energy level up and pound in the fourth quarter and break that big run. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying. You got Matt LaFleur, who was coming from, uh, who's the Rams offensive coordinator last year. I think he's uh, got a solid, you know, who, who knows, maybe McVay's calling a lot of the plays and this guy's just a glorified, uh, you know, uh, running back or, or uh, you know, room meeting kind of guy in, in, when he's with the Rams. But, um you know, LaFleur, I think, uh, is, is, a, is a good situation for uh, Henry. I think I'm going Darius Geese. I, I, I try not to get too many rookies. And, um, you know, rookies, it's, it's hit or miss on, on what could happen. But I think that situation um, is, is pretty solid um, uh, for for him over there. I think they've got – they're going to play. They've got a, a lot of explosion and a lot of game um, – a lot of talents at receiver, especially if Reed can stay healthy. Uh, but even if he goes down, you still got um, you still got Vernon. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking just from watching his his game tape, 
uh, from LSU and uh, kind of getting falling a little bit. Teams would got scared off at him. I, I think he's a high character guy. Maybe he's just a little too goofy or out there for some people. But um, I'm going with – I'm going to take Geese. I, I think uh, – I, I like what he's going to be able to do this year. Um, a tweet that I, uh, that I like here, uh, at Johnny Slokes, uh, J-O-H-N-N-Y-S-L-O-K-E-S, Twitter handle. Uh, I'm not saying it's one of the best Twitter handles out there, but he's uh, he's a good dude and uh, a guy that's in our uh, my pod, I'm in a podcast uh, group, and uh, he's pretty he's pretty big on um, on all that. Maybe he's with Fifth Down Fantasy. Uh, I, I forget though. Um, yeah, he's with Fifth Down Fantasy. Yes, they're, Fifth Down Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. They're they're they they tweet they podcast like crazy. That Twitter handle to follow that is at the the number five, fifth, uh, TH down FF. So the fifth down FF. Uh, but he had a good um, tweet. Over the last 15 years, rookie running backs drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. We know that Geese uh, was drafted um, in the second round. But eight of the 40 went on to be RB1s in fantasy football. That's not unbelievable, but it's close to, uh, um, you know, 20%. Um, I mean, twenty five percent, and he—I uh, don't know. I think I think uh, Darius should have been a first round pick. Um, I was kind of surprised when he was around uh, in the middle or earlier part of the second round, and I think the Washington Redskins were too. They were like, "Oh my God, give us this guy!" Um, so I think he's going to slide in day one starter, get a heavy workload. Uh, he's a punishing dude. He's got the speed. He's got the elusiveness, but he also loves to ram a guy over. I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm excited to see that Washington offense. They got a good orchestrator um, in, in, I think, especially for a running back in Alex Smith um, because he's getting up there in years. So I, I like him, but that one's really close. I do like Kenyon Drake, and I agree with that kind of uh, call that he could have 1,000 yards, no problem. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Derrick Henry and what I think uh, the Titans are going to be able to do. Hell, I think a lot of people, if you ask them, would, would say even just how close these guys are that Rashad Penny being – um, being the, the guy they pick because there's a lot of love for him on the as the RB one on the Seahawks uh, um, now. It, it, you know what I mean? I prefer Geis to Penny for sure. Um, Geis was my number two rookie coming into the year, uh, and he stayed there. Um, he's going to have the opportunity in Washington. I totally agree. Um, I have hesitation that he'll start out with a full workload just because. Gruden tends to bring rookies along slowly, um, just like he did last year. I, you know, P. Ryan isn't nearly the running back that Geis is, but um, I, I still think there's going to be a slow start to the season anyway. And if you're drafting in a normal redraft league and this is the fourth round, you want to start your fourth-round pick. Um, so I would think Geis is probably going to start out a little bit slow if – he was, if this was a fifth-round pick, I would probably go all all in on Geis. Uh, Rashad Penny, I don't like with that offensive line. I, I just and th- they have like 92 running backs that they recycle through there. They never pick the right one. They let Alex Collins go. So I, I just I don't see Penny putting up numbers. I I do like Geis. I just think he's going to take a few weeks before he really gets going. 
Cool. I, I always call the guy geese. I want you out of me. Yeah, like, I, I don't. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I, I, it's, it's, I, right. I heard one pe- person say it, so uh, it's geese, right. geese, geese. Right. I, I botch names like like nobody's business. So um, cool. Well, that, I think that was a, that was fun. We'll come back and we'll do a, a, a few more of those. After talking about Twitter a little bit more, um, we're gonna try not to make this into an epic three hour show. Um, but we, you know, as, 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 as happens, we go along here at Pyro and, uh, I'm having a good time throwing some beers and talking fantasy. You are a year, an hour later than me. So I know it's hitting about 10 for you and you got to get up early, uh, but we'll keep going. Um, and, uh, when we hit a wall, we hit a wall. What I'm going to say about now on Twitter, and then I want to ask you kind of the same question, like kind of outside of fantasy football and the NFL and beat writers, what are some follows that you love? Uh, I'm going to give you a couple, give you some time to think about it. Um, but a guy that I love, uh, love, love, love on Twitter is George, the comedian, George Wallace. Um, he's the, he's that hilarious uh, uh, black dude who's been around forever. Uh, he's kind of a weird comedian, but uh, he's a comedian's comedian. Comedians love this guy. and He's friggin' hilarious. Uh, but his Twitter handle is at Mr. M-R- George, G-E-O-R-G-E, Wallace, W-A-L-L-A-C-E. Um, he is, uh, he's friggin' hilarious. On He tweets a lot, so that's great. I'll just read a couple of them. Um, here's, I'll just read a few, few tweets that he said, uh, one that he's pinned from a, a week or so ago. I grew up so poor, our dog could only get one rabies. <laughs> you say the word plural? It's always right. babies. Right. <laughs> Pretty funny shit. Uh, and he's always, he always starts a lot of tweets with shout out. He does so stupid. He's like, shout out to the case of spring water sitting in the trunk of your car right now. Someday it'll make its way into the house. Shout out to all the folks trying to figure out how to get the straw into a damn Capri sunbag. Oh, my God. He's just so freaking funny. He, he does sports elements into it, um, and, but kind of does a little fun spin on it. Uh, he's like one of his tweets, and then I'll move on and let you see see a guy you like. He's like, I require all my fans to stand during midnight train to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That guy, yeah, he's one of those guys where I'm, I'm reading, and I'll see a George. I'll see, and I know what his little like, you know, uh, uh, avatar or image for his his account is. I'm like, all right, good. George has got a new tweet. And I, I swear, I I feel like I get a chuckle out of um, every one of his tweets. So uh, here's the last one. I don't know if you're you know Highlights Magazine. You're a teacher, but that was one of my favorite magazines when I was a kid. Finding that little ladybug and the images and all that stuff. So I, he's like, FYI, I will no longer allow reporters from Highlights Magazine at my future shows due to their inflammatory questions and so forth. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, George Wallace, if you like stupid shit and laughing, um, he's, he's a good, he's a good guy to follow. Uh, any uh, dudes that you're, uh, that you, that are just kind of comedians or actors or people out there, whatever it could be, they don't have to be famous, uh, that you find your stuff that you enjoy. Honestly, I all I follow is fantasy football. I, like literally, the only reason I'm on Twitter is for fantasy football, and that's all I use it for. I I, I did follow some of the political stuff during election time, but all that stuff got way too old, and it floods your timeline. So I, I really, 
I, I, I don't. I'm trying to think. I don't think I follow anybody that isn't fantasy football. I guess the closest I get is C.D. Carter and J.J. Zach Reeson because, you know, well, J.J. is pretty much strictly uh, sports, but uh, C.D. Carter, C.D. Carter 13, I think it is. He, he'll bring up some – he's just funny. Like, it, like he, he, he takes that uh, Stephen Colbert approach to, you know, fantasy football and politics. So it's kind of – it, it, I, I enjoy him, but the, he's still, he's, you know, he's, he's a writer for a couple of different websites for fantasy football too. So, yeah, I mean, even, even the ones I follow that aren't fantasy football are. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And people are always giving him shit for his takes and when he's not talking, but I, I, I do, I agree. CD Carter's, um, he's, he's a good follow as well. Um, Cool. Uh, what do you? Um, what, what's another? You got any more tweets or any other kind of follows? Some guys within fantasy football that, uh, that, yeah. that, that you're you're digging on that people need to know about. Maybe under radar. Maybe Absolutely. people that are kind of big time. Yeah, uh, some yeah. of them are probably big time, but some of them, uh, some of them really aren't. Um, one person I definitely want to drop is uh, at Amaze Hayes uh, underscore. Um, he has developed the ffstatistics.com uh, website, and uh, it's a great tool to use to break down whether it's, you know, you want to know red zone inside the 10, you want to know any specifics and compare players. Go visit FF Statistics and follow Amaze Hayes. He's got an amazing site that he just started, and he's adding to it all the time. He's, he's, got, he's getting people to come on board and write articles and that sort of thing. Definitely follow him. Um, another guy is uh, at DFF Memphis. Um, it's uh, Randy the Outlaw. He has a, a, a podcast and he's on a couple others regularly. Um, he's in several of my dynasty leagues uh, with uh, at Goat District. Definitely follow them. They uh, they pop out stats, strategy, and they're mostly dynasty trades. But uh, all that dynasty information is very important when you're trying to break down and uh, you know determine trades, whether it's for dynasty or for redraft. Um, just some great advice and future outlooks. Um, uh, one I came across today that I hadn't seen in a while is uh, Jason Jason Rock Phelps. Uh, he's uh, at Data Scientist FF. And uh, he's working with at Injury Predictor, and they're coming up with a model that uh, will help determine if a player is injury prone, quote unquote. Um, you know, a lot of I don't like to give people that label or players that label unless they have certain injuries. Like Tyler Eifert is injury prone. Jordan Reed is injury prone. It doesn't. Like for Jordan Reed, he's dropped far enough that I'll draft him, but Tyler Eifert could literally drop to the 15th round and I wouldn't draft him. Now, I don't have any statistical evidence to necessarily back that up. It's all gut feeling. But these guys are kind of working on a predictor that can narrow down percentages of how likely an injury would occur in certain players. So following them is is really a good bet. Um I got about another dozen here. If you yeah, want. I, I like, you know, in all honesty, I, I follow uh, Jason Rock, and um, I've been I've seen a lot of that uh, sports injury predictor stuff. Um, and yeah, it's not good to you know in fantasy. You got you got to be careful about 
um, you know, predict, as you said, it, it, early part of the show, I don't want to predict an injury. Um, I, I think that's got some bad mojo to it. I know that you don't do it. No one wants to, but you know, at the end of the day, there's uh if the science can help you pinpoint and keep stay away from a guy that's got a better uh, possibility of uh, missing a bunch of games, hence hurting, it, it, making it a bad draft pick uh, or a bad guy to be slotted in, in given weeks, then take that intel. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a couple others um, I follow at Bob, Bob underscore Lung. Um, he does a lot of consistency data uh, and projections. Um, at Ryan Hodge, he's really uh, a DFS guru. Uh, he writes for several different places and uh, actually caught him drafting next to me in a couple uh, uh, on the draft app. Yeah, I mean, we were in like three drafts together and he's right next to me each time. And I'm like, seriously, this guy's a professional gambler. Like literally, that's what he does. That's how he makes his money. Um, so drafting next to him was challenging. Um, Another one is at D bro underscore FFB. Um, he just uh, became a, uh, a writer for a new website uh, called Quantum Edge, where uh, Elliot Christ, at Elliot Christ, that's one L, one T, and no H. So it, it, at first glance, it looks like Elliot Christ, but it's Elliot Christ. Um, he, Elliot Christ tweeted out, these like huge threads about every single rookie possible. And he actually also did a podcast and it was like 15 to 20 minute segments on every rookie. So I just followed him and literally went, you could go by his video clips and gifts on his uh, Twitter uh, uh, threads and then just listen to his podcast. And I, I knew all I needed to know about the rookies coming in and where I wanted to draft them. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I know that both those yeah. guys, you just mentioned uh, Ryan Hodge and uh, Elliot Chris, both those guys joined um, that new site that's not even out yet. I think it comes out in a couple of weeks, that, uh, um, the Quant Edge. Uh, so that's yeah. a cool. That's another um, quick handle you should follow. That one is at T-H-E q-u-a-n-t edge they launched the 8th of um the 8th of uh, excuse me august uh this year and they've got him and they've also obviously got the Ryan hodge show there they've got i'm pretty sure this is a vc backed um hedge fund kind of thing um so these guys have some budget and they're grabbing some of the nice talent from around uh the industry and plucking them out so excited to see what they do there uh, they should give me a call and let me do a better logo for them. Um, but <laughs> I, won't, I won't not. That's just the kind of shit that I'm going to say. But, yeah, uh, that's pretty That's pretty cool. It looks like they're doing some serious analytics uh, type of um, betting and uh, DFS tools. Um, I think we're actually doing um, – We I was told we're doing it. Uh, I haven't signed the contract. i got to reach back out to the guy. But uh, this year, uh, Pyromaniac will be um, – uh, the, our Pyro Podcast show will be um, will be sponsored by uh, Roto SQL. Um, is, they, is their original site, and now they're getting into um, fantasy football. So they're going to be one of our. It's Roto QL, not SQL. SQL is coding uh, coding Intel. Um, but yeah, these guys are getting into the fantasy world. 
Um, and then they're, so I think they're doing, it's going to be fantasy, uh, QL. Um, and that's going to be, uh, something we'll be sponsoring and doing live reads this, uh, starting in August for, for their show. So, um, pretty cool. It's like fantasy sports tool for DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, so I mentioned it's probably a lot of these apps are coming out. Um, a guy that I think is also super awesome. Um, if you're more of a better, and uh, it seems like people have bet a lot of them. I hate to say this. If you're a better, I'm not talking about you. But a lot of people have bet on NFL games and NBA and on a regular basis, you know, kind of just almost want to put bets in on a on a weekly, almost nightly basis if you're an NBA better. A lot of them just kind of like break even or lose a lot of money, but they just love it. And they're not great at knowing knowledge on the sports. I know my two best two good friends that bet a lot on football, they ask me who they should take on a regular basis, like every week. Like, what do you like between this game and this game? I'm like, dude, I'm I'm not a good better, dude. I might know fantasy and do read a lot on the NFL, but dude, do not take my advice. Uh, and uh, But while I will say this is um, Warren Sharp, definitely um, have, you know, have to follow him. I bought his 2018 football preview. Um it's a little over the top for me. Uh, Silva edited it. Uh, I think it's just like I read this thing. It's kind of like some of my iPad shitter material, and it's it's just too granular and deep for me. I'm just going to be honest. Um, but it's pretty incredible the way that guy uh, knows the NFL and breaks down the NFL. Like it's it's pretty ridiculous what Warren Sharp does. He's a legit legit follow. Um, let me see. What is Warren Sharp? He, he was been, he's at Sharp Football. He was the next name on my list. There you go. So at Sharp Football, uh, pick up that Warren Sharp thing. It's like if you want to learn, one thing I'll say, it's really deep. But what, after I read like these team uh, overviews and stuff, and like I, I, I'm definitely learning from Sharp Football stats and uh, Sharp Football analysis. I'm learning the game in ways and, and, and like thinking about the game in different ways. So one of the things I told me is I'm going to try myself, I'm going to try and read the whole 2018 football preview before the season starts, just because I watched the game and I'm just being dead, you know, very transparent here. I watched the game in a much different way because of fantasy football and it's bad because I love players and I like, I kind of lock in on players and whether it's guys on my team or just players I love that I know are just like tacticians, route runners, you know, whatever. But this uh, Warren Sharp football is like kind of opening my eyes to like start looking at offensive lines. Look at how, you know, other other elements of the game um, are, are affecting, you know, the positions, mostly special, you know, especially positions. Uh, that uh, skilled positions that I, I focus on because of fantasy. But check out uh, Warren Sharp's Twitter account. He's uh, he's legit. Him uh, him and uh, him and Silva are, are buddies, and you know Sharp's been around for a while. But if you're a gambler, pretty sure he's got an app um, that's the Sharp Football Analysis app, um, and he's big on uh, Vegas odds um, and you know helping you make the right pick for a certain teams. So if you're a betting person on football on Sunday and you're not following Warren Sharp or using his tool, his app or a subscribing member of some of his items, um, I think you probably should do so because you'll probably start making some more money off your investments. Kind of like me. Valverde. Give me another.
Uh, actually, it's one of the guys that works for Warren Sharp now. I believe it's uh, at Connor Allen uh, at C O N O R Allen NFL. Um, I actually started following him. He was one of the first people I followed, and he had a different handle. I think it was Fantasy Matrix or something like that. Um, but he does a lot of the work for uh, Sharp Football. Um, he's definitely one of their big contributors. Uh, it's definitely worth the follow. He, he, he's spewing out uh, tweets all the time, just little nuggets here and there. I've actually used him as a reference when I do the news feeds. I got a couple of them up this week. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I did. I, was, I, mean, I, met <laughs> I did. I realized yesterday. Yeah, I got a, I got to swap Jimmy uh, Graham onto the uh, onto the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I love I love <laughs> I love when I see those things. You're the best of those. Yeah, that's that's legit. Um, he's uh, you know, a lot of these guys like I've never met Sharp, but um, Silva, he's he lives I think in Michigan, but um, but a lot of these guys, it's amazing how many of the fantasy people live around Chicago. Um, it's amazing. And we had that pyro party last year, October, I think six, that was a lot of people came into town. Even Scott fish from the Scott fishbowl came from Minnesota. Um, I think John from four for four came down. Silva was there. He was at the party we'd had the year before. And it's funny when you, when you hang out with these guys, it's, it's a great time. You're talking fantasy, but when we do these parties and if we do one this fall, which I'm planning on, um, I haven't really. Waz is kind of uh, my my conduit to um, you know get intense tags to getting a lot of these uh, experts around uh, the Midwest um, into town for it, and um, we're gonna definitely do it. And we, if if it works out, we definitely do it on the weekend. Maybe that you should try and come into town. And if you're listening, we had a bunch of fans come to it last year. I think we probably had uh, 80, uh, 85 people come. There were some fantasy football guys that listened to Pyro. And there were big fans of Roto World and Silva and a bunch of the other guys, Taglier from Fantasy Pros. Um, they came, they were in from Australia, and they were they after they went to the Aussie guys. Yeah, they were Aussie dudes, and they were they didn't they were they came into the states for an NFL uh, like Saint. They went to like a few different. They were here for a couple weeks. And they went to uh, ap- the day after our party, which was on Saturday. They were driving up to Detroit to go see a Lions game. But it was just awesome. All of a sudden, these guys are talking to these guys like, oh, you're pyro guys? And I was sitting there like, yeah, what's going on? And they got the Aussie accent. And they're just like, yeah, we're from Australia. And you're talking to them like, oh, the Lions games, we love you. We love all your stuff. It's just so funny how um, there's so many people now over the years that are in the industry. Um, you know, it's, 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 a big, it's a big business. But there's a lot of experts there that weren't kind of, you know, Pyro Podcast is one of the first, not one of the first, but one of the early uh, fantasy football podcast. We've been around for a long time, but it's just so fun when we had those events. And, you know, even I remember hanging out with Silva and having a beer and we were having a crack and laughing. And uh, I asked him at one point, I asked him at one point, I'm like, how do you crank out all this? Uh, uh, how do you crank out all this stuff? Like, how do you, how do you just knock this shit out? You know, his weekly uh, pieces on, uh, are just incredibly thorough. Everything he does is thorough. He's done all 32 team reviews and I asked him that. He looked at me. He's like, he's like, D-Rex, let's not talk about fantasy football. I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> it's funny to meet a lot of these guys. And you're, when you get together with a lot of fantasy guys, um, the fan side you're talking fantasy football with, but the fantasy people, you're kind of like, 
you know what? All I do all day is fantasy. Let's drink beers and take shots and have some fun. So, um, little sidebar rant, but uh, we'll figure out. Uh, we'll figure uh, I, out- I was. I was actually going to ask you about that. I was thinking about that today because uh, last year I remember you guys did that in October. I think it was October. Yeah. And uh, I just remember being so swamped at work and I was just like, you know what? I I really want to crash that party. I was like, and so tonight I was going to ask you if you were going to do it again. If you do it again, I'm going to, I'm going to put everything forward to try to see if I can make it there. Cause I've never been to Chicago either. So I would definitely like to, yeah, go around town and it, it, see what want, that's all about. Cool. If you want to keep the bills down, last year Pyromaniac, well, he he lives on, only up in Michigan, a few hours away, but uh, he crashed on the couch here. I'm sure he'll come again when we have the party. But dude, you're more than welcome to stay here and uh, so you don't have to pay for uh, hotel bills or whatever. Uh, crash on. I the- appreciate it, but when I bring a girl home from the bar, you know, I'm going to want my own hotel room. There you go. Mo will start. Mo will start <laughs> sharing the room. Mo's going to be grabbing and reaching over, like, hey, hey, what's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, cool. That would be great. I need to talk. Waz just uh, got a new job um, and it's been pretty slammed. So I haven't really been, we haven't really been talking about the party, but um, I'll make sure to get that back on the radar. We're definitely going to be throwing down again this year. Just it kind of, it's kind of just Waz does figures out when everyone can kind of do it. And the Venn diagram's the biggest, uh, and that's the date that it happens. And we make, we pull the trigger. So um, let's uh, talk about some more, uh, a, a handle or two. Um, and then let's jump into another. You're on the clock. I think um, do we got a little bit more time in the show, and then we'll uh, shut this party down so you can uh, finish a highlight and uh, hit the sack. Um, <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put out a name, and this is my go-to guy. I honestly would say Silva's probably the biggest in the industry, and I like when you, you, you know, something to say out of this also is like when you follow these guys that we're giving you, also look at who they're retweeting. Look at who they're communicating and replying to. Um, odds are, you know, they call it the internet uh, and the World Wide Web, uh, so that you just start splintering off and webbing out and seeing new things, and everything's kind of interconnected and jumping off. So any of these names we do, you know, follow them, but then check out who they're following and who they're talking about, who they're retweeting, who they're communicating with, who they're touting, um, and you can just get more and more and more awesome guys. So my, my number one follow and – I know he's another one of the big shots, so a lot of people are already following him, but if you're not, you got to do it. Scott Barrett. Um, so, at Scott Barrett, um, which is S-C-O-T-T-B-A-R-R-E-T-T-D-F-B, and he's from Pro Football Focus. He's basically, you know, their metrics uh, kind of guy. He's just a, he's just kind of a, a beast, in my, in my opinion. He kind of falls in that pyro stag savant area. Um He's just, and I think maybe Sharp and Silva, I feel like, are in that uh, in that realm where just, like, fantasy football and the knowledge of players and the game itself, it's just, like, it kind of comes so easy to them. Like, they'll just sit there when they wake up and they're eating, having their coffee and eating their cereal and yogurt. They're like, oh, huh. I wonder how, the funniest thing I saw, this is the funniest thing, I wonder how wind affects fantasy football points. Um, how do I find out what the wind was like on game day over the last 10 years for all 32 teams and even be able to do it for the games over in London and Mexico? And then next thing you know, 
Scott Barrett does this. His, his tweet is from <laughs> July 19th. How does wind speed impact various positions for fantasy? And then he goes, since 2000, my data <laughs> – quarterbacks <laughs> this is hilarious like he's, so he's got 18 years 17 years of data on wind speed um so since 2000 my data quarterbacks average 0.39 fantasy points per game below their expectation in a given season when wind gusts rest between 10 and 19 miles per hour that moves to 1.71 when gusts are 20 miles per hour or more and then he's got a chart of pickers uh, how it affects them between those two speeds, quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, and receivers. It's just like, then he does the next tweet is, is how does rain and snow impact various positions for fantasy? And it's just like the fact that you're going to wake up and be like, you know what, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And it probably takes some like, he probably has somebody helping him and, 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 you know, pro football focus. But at the end of the day, it's just like that, just that detail that these guys go to is, is incredible. So um, I'm all. And I can tell you, I, I can tell you too that it's not just because he's at Pro Football Focus and he has all the data. Like it, he just started working with Pro, Pro Football Focus last year. Before that, he was tweeting out all this stuff, and he, I, I believe most of his stuff that he he did uh, hashtag charts on charts on charts, and now he's doing hashtag metrics that matter. Um, so you can follow those hashtags and get all of those little statistical things. And it's so ridiculous with him too. I thought we already mentioned him. Like he will, somebody will tweet him a question and he'll answer it, you know, relatively quickly in with that kind of in-depth information. And then the next person will ask him about the rain and snow and he'll joke about it. He'll be like, you know, dance, spite a dance. And, and then he'll get the information. Like it's almost as if he gets a question he can't get it out of his head until he spews it back out on Twitter. Uh, yeah, totally agree. He, he just, he comes with thousands of nuggets over the course of the season and it's incredible. Yeah. And he retweets uh, other, you know, he, he retweets other people that just have unbelievable stats. So Scott Barrett, for me, he's my crowning jewel of fantasy football follows. I mean, I just think, and I tell him so all the time. He's always like, thanks, Byro. Um, I'm, I'm just like, I definitely am. Uh, I've got, a, I've got, um, I've got man, a man crush on his fantasy football prowess. Uh, total, total stud. Like literally, I mean, I'm just scrolling through his Twitter thing right now and that, that thing that I mentioned how um, Jordan Howard had 14 drops on his 66 catchable targets. I didn't give that second mm-hmm. part. Um, but he retweeted uh, from this guy, Chris Emma, uh, you know, Matt Nagy said of Jordan Howard, uh, there's socially he's the first and second down back. And don't believe that Jordan can play all three downs. We're going to do that. We're going to use him. Um, and it's just like, I, I can't tell you how many bits of, um, you know, information and intel that I kind of, internalize and put into my uh, mental template uh, to again, help my tears and get me pumped up and get my, uh, get, he, I'm, he inspires me. You know what DFB and his handle stands for? No, what was that? I was just, I was literally just thinking that. So, so he was, uh, when he first started getting on Twitter, he was trying to figure out a handle. Now this is a story he told on a podcast 
So, you know, I don't know him personally, but I'm yeah. trying to remember this. This is how I remember the, him telling the story is that he was sitting at a bar trying to figure out his Twitter handle, Twitter handle. And, um, he asked the bartender and the bartender said, dude, at dude fantasy, bro. So that was his handle when he first started. Now, when he moved over to PFF, he had to switch it, but he kept the initials DFB just so that he didn't get completely away from it. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, like he just, he kind of sitting at a bar, came up with the dumbest name on earth, but like stuck with it. Like just because it's his brand. Dude, that's hilarious. You know, because I, I literally followed followed uh, dude fantasy bro forever and i now oh, there you go that, like that i didn't even put two and two together i totally remember that handle and, and thinking that that guy was legit that's friggin' hilarious i love it i love it hey uh, let's do it me a bit let's do us all a favor we're gonna take a, a quick uh, commercial break um and uh or sponsor break and uh, do us a favor help us keep the lights on around here and um listen to these All right, sweet, sweet, sweet. Um, cool. Any uh, any other handles you want to do, or anything you want to talk about with uh, with Twitter, and uh, it, it, throw out some other ones, and then let's go and do a uh, um, another one of these. You're on the clocks, and um, I don't know. I feel like we've been recording for about two hours, so I feel like this has been a great show. I'd like to get some more handles out there, do a couple of these. You're on the clocks, and then. Um, you know, I think we can we can shut this party down and and go our go our own way. Uh, yeah, I got three handles left that I'd like to bring up. Uh, one is uh, P A Howdy at P A Howdy. Um, I honestly forget who he writes for right now, but I retweet a lot of his stuff and use his stuff within my rankings and articles. Uh, another is I've mentioned him before, but at FF Links. Um, he's a high volume, uh, best ball player and dynasty player. And, uh, he tweets, tweets out, uh, the draft boards all the time. Uh, he's in, been in the, uh, pros versus Joe's recently. He's in Scott Fishbowl. Um, I believe he's actually working with DFF now writing some articles. Um, but, uh, he, he's been fantastic with information. Like it, it, when I'm coming up with, you know, my picks and drafts, he's one of the people I reference. Like I'll, I'll look at his drafts and how he sets it up, how he goes about drafting, you know, like in, in the FFPC drafts, it's 28 rounds and there's kickers and defenses and there aren't any kickers in any other leagues I usually do. So I took his advice on the kickers. Um, he's one of the people that uh, he, I, I believe he spurred, the Lamar Miller move up the ranks. Um, I, I remember back in March, we were able to get Lamar Miller in the, in the eighth round, and he creeped up to the seventh. And then FF Links posted something like, I'm grabbing Lamar Miller in the sixth round every time. Look at his numbers here. And then all of a sudden, now he's going in the fifth round. Now I can't buy him anymore. Um, and then one last one that's popped up recently, it's at Majestic One. It's at M-A-J-E-S-S-T-I-K-1. Um, he pumps out projections for every team, and he updates them, and he has comments with all of them. Uh, I remember years ago when I used to come up with my own raw projections, 
it is tedious work. And right now he's just pumping it out and putting it all out there for free. Do I agree with 100% of his takes? And no, nobody's going to agree with everybody all the time, especially when it comes to projections. But in order to do all of this work that it takes and puts in, and he literally posts it as a picture, the whole team, every team, just puts it out there. It's amazing stuff to just have for free, just free information. And he answers the questions about it too. So major props to him. I I just saw him this year and you know, that's, that's, that's awesome. Who's what's that? What's the handle for that guy? I'm going to him and trying to see if I follow. What was the handle again? It's at M A J E S S T I K one. There you go. Okay. Um, I'm going to, um, I did, was just trying to follow the wrong guy. His, this guy's handle, it was locked. He's only got 60 followers and it said authentic lesbian. I was like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> no, that's not him. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Okay, cool. I'll definitely, uh, I'm in on that one. Um, cool. Uh, some guys that I like as well. Um, I love seeing that both you and on the top, Top guys list. I love seeing that Pyro Stag um, is is God is above JJ TJ Hernandez, um, and I love that you Pyro Stag and our boy PK Ripper are all yeah, uh, ranked higher as favorites. And again, maybe it's this, this favorite club than Matthew Barry, with talent to Mister Rota. So well done to you, my friend. Uh, but with this said, I'm gonna just say uh, we gotta give you guys a sh- give a shout out. Follow PK Ripper. Um, he's our boy. He's a uh, he's passionate uh, fellow for fantasy football. He's just a good all-around dude. Lives down in Fort Lauderdale. He's a pyro contributor. His handle is at amaze652. So M-A-M-A-Z-E-652. And that's PK Ripper. He's another guy like you that's just um, uh, a fan favorite of a lot of people in the industry. Um, just never says a bad man. thing. Just, yeah, he's, he's just a really... Uh, a really good dude. He was actually on my last show um, that we did last week uh, with uh, another guy we had on the show um, was Cody Wagner. Uh, and he, uh, he, we did great. It was fun as hell. We talked about tight ends. So if you haven't checked it, if you're new to the Pyro podcast, do us a favor, you know, check out um, the, the, the positional podcast we did for the first one was um, running backs. Then we did wide receivers, uh, both those shows, um, I think Stags, Stags and um, Tagliere, uh, Mike Tagliere did one of them. Uh, but then uh, there was also obviously the quarterback show. That was the one that Mike and Stags, uh, Stags did. And then me, uh, Cody, and uh, PK Ripper did one last week, uh, episode show 313, and that was on tight ends. Um, but that was that's a that's a pretty dope show. Good uh, good show to to or a good follow for me. Matt Waldman, Pyromaniac Mo, has had him on the uh, Pyro Podcast Light a bunch. Uh, Waldman's um, pretty big on rookies. Pretty sure he writes um, he writes a book every year, kind of like uh, it's similar to what um, uh, Sharp does. Um, actually, it be, uh, Waldman, does, he did uh, The Graduates this year, right, Waldman? Well, Matt, I'm pretty sure he's the guy that does that He's big on the rookies. So Matt Waldman. Yeah, yeah rookie scouting. Pro- I believe. 
I believe I won that from him this year. I retweeted one of his tweets and I won the rookies. Was it the rookie scouting report? There's something like that. Yeah, I think he was the one I won it from. I hope I'm not mixing him up with somebody, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I definitely follow him. Great follow for rookies. Yeah, he's big on the rookies. He, 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 him and Pyro, I think he's going to be on a show with Pyromaniac Mo in the next a week or two. A little shout out after this show. Um, we're actually, I'm going to be putting up the show we're recording right now that you're listening to this weekend. So if, when you're listening to this, we recorded a day or two earlier just because I'm going to be posting a Pyro podcast light with Pyromaniac Mo and our favorite Dave T. Thomas. Uh, they recorded earlier this morning. Uh, I just didn't have time because I was at work pretty busy to get that show up. But Pyromaniac Mo on a Pyro Podcast Light, first show that he's done in a while. But if you haven't listened to Dave T. Thomas uh, before, he's friggin' hilarious. This is a guy that's been an NFL scout for over 50 years. He used to work um, – he, he worked back with uh, Al Davis and the and, and back in uh, with the Raiders – Back when Fred Bolitnikoff, this is the guy that's like scouting the Bolitnikoffs and the and the uh, branches and uh, those kind of people of the world. Uh, he is unbelievable. So I'm really excited myself to uh, the show's all edited. All I got to do is put a graphic and put it up on Blog Talk Radio. I'm super super pumped to check that out because God is Dave T. Thomas just literally one of the funniest dudes and just like Mo was telling me he called me on the phone. I was like, how'd the show go? And he's like. He's like, dude, I mentioned a guy that I didn't, you know, Mo's very prepared and does like his shows are like, he's like prepared half a day. And like, you're looking, you're like, okay, I know what we're doing on this show. Um, and he was like, I gave a bunch of stuff for Dave T. I can't, I can imagine him super preparing it. He's like, he's like, I threw out a totally obscure rookie that I was trying to catch him off guard. And he's like, and Dave T is literally probably 75 years old, but maybe I, he's old. Um, he's like, he's like, he went right into him and gave all the symptoms. He's like, the guy's a friggin' rookie and a, a scouting genius. Um, so super pumped to check that. He's not a guy that's on Twitter. <clears throat> so I'm not gonna, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a Twitter account. He does, uh, the, his website though is the NFL scouting report. So check him out. Uh, old school, old school pyromaniac mode, making friends with him. But like I said, Matt Waldman is pretty good, pretty much pretty sure he's going to be on the show. And another one of pyromaniac Mo's favorites is Sigmund Bloom. So uh, Waldman's uh, with football guys. Good. One of the oldest sites uh, around in the industry. Um, and he does his own thing, the scout, the rookie scouting portfolio that you can buy every year. Um, but Sigmund Bloom is another stud. Um, he's Sigmund Bloom is which side is he? Who is it? He's, he's a football, football guy. He's football guys as well. So, um, I think Waldman used to be with, uh, USA Today and then they kind of, I think they cut the team and then they started working with four for four. But yeah, Sigmund Bloom is this co-owner of football guys, another, uh, another stud. So those are the guys I got. Um, I think we, 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 we gave a bunch of good, uh, Twitter follows. I think other guys. I like Jim Carrey, the uh, the actor. He does. He's become like more of an artist lately. But I like following him. It's very political, but he's always got a good spin on it. So a non football kind of related guy, you know, Ace Ventura is the real Ace Ventura. Um, should we do a couple of these? A um, couple more of these on the clocks, and uh, then we can uh, we can shut this party down. Sounds good. Cool. 
Round one. Pick one. You are on the clock. You're ready to rock. Wheeler, who are you taking with the first pick overall? Is it David Johnson? Is it Le'Veon Bell? Is it Todd Gurley? Is it Ezekiel Elliott? Or is it somebody else? It is David Johnson without hesitation. Um, wow. Like it. Yeah. Talk to um, well, I, I, I always draft in PPR. So in PPR, it's David Johnson and standard if you know, not that there are any standard leagues out there anymore, but my standard rankings, I have Ezekiel Elliott. So David Johnson, um, he was seemed to be the number one consensus pick last year, and everybody looked at me like I had three heads when I was taking Le'Veon Bell first. Um, David Johnson last year was coming off a Week 16 hamstring injury, and I believe it required surgery, and I was hesitant on him. This year, he broke his wrist pre, or in 2017, he breaks his wrist pre, uh, for game one. He played like two quarters, broke his wrist. Um, he could have come back for the last three games or so, but they were five and eight or, uh, uh they were five and seven and just, it looked bleak for them. They didn't look, think they were going to make the playoffs, so they kept them out. They ended up going eight and eight without him. Now, everybody's bashing Arizona like they're some horrible team and their line is atrocious. But the fact of the matter is they went 8-8 eight and eight without David Johnson. I would expect that they could go at least 8-8 eight and eight with David Johnson. And Sam Bradford is there, and Sam Bradford is a dink and dunk kind of guy. He's going to rely on the running game. And when he dinks and dunks, he's going to be dinking and dunking to either Ricky Seals-Jones, the tight end, or David Johnson. David Johnson could easily get a thousand yards receiving. Well, not easily. Nobody could do that easily, but he could get a thousand yards receiving, and he's almost assured a thousand yard rushing if he's healthy for all 16 games. Um, I don't understand why everybody is all of a sudden backing off David Johnson like he's some huge injury risk. It was a risk that he could have come back from, and he's fresh and ready to go. And even if that team stinks, they're going to be passing all the time, and who are they going to end up passing to? You know, when they double and triple cover Larry Fitzgerald, they're going to be dinking and dunking to David Johnson, and he's just going to rack up those touches. And opportunity is key, especially for a starting running back. Um, you know, I, I could come up with a little knocks for the other guys. I can't blame anybody for picking any of the four as their top four, but I'm – I'm going with last year's consensus and going with David Johnson as my number one. I like it. Uh, our collective had David Johnson as the number one from all of us. Um, you know what? I, 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 you know, my last years I had uh, Lev Bell still as the number one. I, that was before I thought they were going to come to the agreement. Um, to be honest, I thought that they were going to figure out a way to get him uh, paid and just put this behind them. You know, it was just like they, I just really felt like he was going to get assigned to uh, at least a four-year deal um, that was heavily weighted and guaranteed money. It didn't happen. Um, So now it's in the same situation where he's going to just do his own thing, and I understand it. I'm not knocking him. Uh, So I think on my next round of tears, I think Lev Bell won't be my number one guy. I just kind of had a feeling that they were going to lock him up. Um, I really did. I'm a my number two guy in my tears. I love David Johnson for all those re, for all the reasons you said. 
Um, and again, you're not, you're, it's not a lower body, it's not a knee injury, it's not an ankle, it's not even a friggin' turf toe. It's his wrist, you know. Um, it, it was a freak. I, I remember watching the play of sitting next to the And guy. it's his off wrist. Like, it, it's not the wrist he usually carries the ball with. It's the stiff arm wrist. So it's not like, I know he switches the ball depending on the play for sure, but every running back has a go-to arm that they carry the ball with. Yeah. And it's his, it's his stiff arm wrist. So it's not even, uh, you know, there's a big reason why he could come back last year if he, if they needed him to, if they were close. So, yeah, I mean, I, when I, I never broke my wrist, but I mean, the only thing I, I've got to go to wrist for jerking off. Just kidding. <laughs> but, um, my next guy is, I'm trying to put myself in the sporting suit. I could do um, <laughs> uh, my guy, next guy is, and you know, he's kind of a douche canoe. Uh, especially, I remember hearing his face in her handle, but she's a she's a sweetie. This uh, she's a big Cowboys fan and right. she's a football girl. Jen, I forget her last name or Twitter handle, but I guess she got snubbed. Was that I, Jen Smith or yeah. it wasn't Jen Smith? It was Casey Kaysen, I thought. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, right. It was Casey. Um, but she got snubbed by Ezekiel Elliott down at the fantasy thing they had in Dallas. And I guess she was like crying and all that stuff, which is a bummer uh, to hear about this stuff. But, you know, Ezekiel Elliott just wants to protect himself and not get in any trouble. He's just trying to keep his nose clean, I suppose. But at the end of the day, I think Ezekiel Elliott, I, I, again, would, would Ezekiel Elliott been the number one running back if you're going to last year's consensus number one heading into the season? Would he have been the number one if there wasn't the suspension over his head? Maybe, quite possibly. Um, I think Elliott's got a, a real big prove it year. I think he feels bad about you know the fact that he pretty much destroyed their season last year. Um, and how much the team has changed since it's it's his and Dak's team now. Um, Ezekiel Elliott. If I'm on the clock with the first pick, I'm happy with the Bell. I'm happy with the Elliott. I'm happy with the David Johnson, and I'm happy with the Gurley. I truly am. Like either of those guys, if I'm if I have the first pick, I'm going to be doing my intel intel and, and figure fact finding, and um, literally up until uh, as late as I can uh, before the draft. Um, because all those guys are in play. Um, there's, just, there's just no question. But Ezekiel Elliott, to me, has the most approved. I think Todd Gurley getting that money, I don't like that. I like incentivizing. Gurley just got paid $60 million. Worth every penny. Love the system. They added, they, they got a lot of talent there, you know. But um, I, I just like that Elliott's got to kind of prove, uh, make, to, to make a, he's got a lot to prove. Uh, I think Le'Veon Bell, if I knew he wasn't going to hold out into the season, uh, don't think that's going to happen because it just doesn't make sense for him, but you just never know. Um, so Ezekiel Elliott, man, I just think, and I honestly, I probably wouldn't take him with the first pick because I would probably try and trade down because you can get him a little bit later. But Ezekiel Elliott, if I've got that guy as my uh, running back, number one, um, whether that's the first pick, whether I'm getting him with the fourth pick, or somebody goes Antonio Brown and you're able to get him a pick or two later, I feel real good on the consistency, the week-to-week carrying, the touchdowns that he's going to be getting, the touches. Um, he is going to have an enormous season. You saw how lost Dak looked without him last year. And just the minute he got suspended, that, that team just had the air and was just let out of it. 
And that just kind of proves he's the leader. He's the catalyst. He's the most important thing on that, on, on the Cowboys. And I'm not a Cowboys fan, but he's, he, he's a badass. Um, free of injury, still a young guy. I think this is, this is just his third year, right, in the league. So um, the tread is, 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 isn't bare. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I'm, I'm thinking right now with the left bell not getting the long ex, ex, um, contract signing. I think Elliott's my number one guy. I can agree with that too. Like uh, they've actually uh, reinforced that offensive line. They had some injuries last year, and they had a, they lost a, one guy to retirement and one guy to free agency, I believe, last year. So their offensive line last year took a little beat, a bit of a beating too. And if he had played all 16 games, he still would have been a top two or three running back. He 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 was. If you extend his, you know. 10 games out to 16, he would have led in yardage for sure. Um, in the early weeks of the season, they were working on getting him the ball more in the passing game, but they started to phase that out a little bit because they were worried about him being suspended. That was that continued to go on and on and on. Um, so they revamped the offensive line, and they've outright come out and said that they're going to try to get him over 400 touches this year. So the offense That's is going to go through him. Yeah, that's something that used to happen in those days of uh, Priest Holmes, of Ladanian Tomlinson, of you know, it's just crazy. Larry Johnson, like those crazy season fantasy seasons that we just don't see anymore. You know, those those literally like twenty plus touchdown uh, kind of seasons that were happening. They're just it, it just hasn't really happened lately. Um, so if that guy's getting four hundred touches, oh my god, that's just unbelievable. Right. Or uh, four, you say four hundred carries or touches. Uh, touches. Uh, well, I don't remember the exact quote, but I heard 400, and no, that's good enough for me. <laughs> All right. You're, that's and, awesome. You're on the clock. And the, the Le'Veon Bell thing, too, coming off, he's coming off over 400 touches. So Staggs has tweeted stuff out uh, about mm-hmm. um, guys that the season after they get 400 touches, there's always some regression. And even if it's 10% regression, that knocks them down to the RB4 for me. And that's Houdini's little career year beware. Um, not even right. saying that maybe he didn't have his career year last year, but yeah, just that 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 workload's gonna 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 ride with you into your next season. You're on the clock. It's round five, pick fifty two. Juju Smith Schuster. Can't believe how high that guy's going, but not saying yeah. it's wrong. He's, I'm just not. I'm not going to be the guy. Um, Juju Smith Schuster. Larry Fitzgerald, Brandon Cooks, or Demarius Thomas? Ooh, you like the way I threw that Demarius Thomas? A guy yeah, I like the way you did that on purpose, too. <laughs> you, you put you put Larry Fitz up against Demarius Thomas, didn't you? If either, one of, if either one of those two is around in the fifth round, I'm all over it. But I've been, I've been seeing Larry Fitzgerald go in the third round. Um, in fact, I, I – I remember my first draft this year was back in March, the uh, first best ball draft. And I posted up, you know, my roster and was like, what do you think? I posted it up on Twitter and, uh, you know, and the first thing somebody said is Larry Fitzgerald in the third. Why are you drafting him so early? And I'm like, well, because he's going to be a wide receiver one again. Like, I don't care how old he gets. He's going to be a wide receiver one. Like, it, it, I, and as much as you know, I love Demarius Thomas. 
he needs hopefully he could be a number one uh, Demarius Thomas was a number one when he had Peyton Manning and of course when you have the worst quarterbacks in the NFL whether it's Brock Osweiler or Trevor Simeon you know he took a decline so he's still a top 24 wide receiver I still love myself some Demarius Thomas but if those are my choices, I'm going Larry Fitz and hoping Demarius slides a few more picks. Like, uh, it, there's just no denying. Like, okay, Larry Fitz is going to have a fall off year at some point, but I think that's when he's in the booth. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think Larry, it's, he, Larry Fitz is a better Frank Gore. Like, Frank yeah, Gore I, just keeps on ticking. You know, he's. He, Frank Gore is somehow going to get 200 touches. So, you know, when yeah. you're drafting in the 15th plus round and Frank Gore is still around, get him. Um, yeah. But if Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald goes beyond the third round, I forget about it. I'm all over him. It, it, I can't even think twice about it. Well, based on mock drafts and ADP on Fantasy Pros, who pulls this off of um, six different uh, mock drafting sites, right now – the 15th wide receiver is Amari Cooper. That's 36th overall. Or, th- um, you know, whatever. Okay. These are averages, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, wide receiver 16th, Josh Gordon. Um, I think that number is going to plummet now that he's, you know, put himself into, back into, you know, whatever. He's taking himself off the field. Um, then you've got Juju. I'm glad, I'm glad he did that for himself, though. Like, uh, if, if he needs that, it's... I wish the best for that guy, that kid. Like, Absolutely. What do you think it is? Do you think he was just like feeling some temptation uh, and things were going good and everything was like positive news about him for the first time in four or five years and he was just kind of like feeling that and he was just kind of felt like they, he might uh, put himself in harm's way? Uh, or do you think it's just more of like, hey, I just want to get my mind right right before this season because – you know, if anybody's got a lot to prove this season, it's him. Um, you know, quick question, quick answer on that. What do you, what do you, where do you, where do you think it falls? Do you think he was like kind of getting close to something? Is there something bad that's going to get announced? Did he fuck it up? And we just, you know, it's one of those things that the NFL doesn't bring it out in the, the light of day to, you know, news outlets for, you know, weeks later. Or should, are you worried about it as a guy that maybe has shares of Gordon or likes him? I have very few shares of him just because he was creeping up uh, in drafts to a point where I didn't want to take the risk. But as an admirer of his work, I I would just, man, I would just love to see Josh Gordon play again. Like it, it, yeah, we saw him at the end of last year and I think that was a really good break in for him, but maybe he's just feeling the pressure. I, I, I don't think it was, the NFL caught him doing anything. I think it's him just saying, I, I, maybe he's grown up and just, he needs to take a step back and kind of refocus and make sure he's all right. You know, I, I hope, I, I hope it's just him going, you know what? I'm about to enter this pressure situation. I thought I might cave. So I need a few more days to re retool, regroup, you know, recompose myself and then go back. I, I, I think he wants to succeed, and it seems as though he's doing everything to help himself. But, you know, I, I've never had to go through that kind of, Well, I mean, 
I guess I'm still addicted to cigarettes here and there. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I've never had to go through anything that he's gone through. And I just admire the talent. And, you know, drugs are powerful, man. They, they'll grab you. I've seen it. Plenty of friends just take him down. So if he needed to take a step back and just fix himself, God bless him. And I hope the best for him, you know. And I hope if the NFL actually has something on them, I hope they take a step back and go, you know what? A bunch of these things were just weed. It's just smoking weed. You know, like so many of them, you know, it's definitely immaturity on his part because, you know, you got millions of dollars sitting you in front of the face and you're not supposed to smoke weed. That's a reason to quit smoking weed. You know, like, so. The reason why he got suspended Two years ago, or maybe it's three years ago, what happened to Johnny Manziel was, was, was being a bad influence on him. It, it wasn't even that he got caught doing weed, even though I heard him and Manziel got on a plane. Who knows if it's true or not? It's, right. It's a fucking uh, medical uh, you know, hydroponic growing room. Uh, but he got suspended for a season. I think this was 15, uh, maybe 16, because he had a drink while he was on probation on a, on a private flight. He had a drink of alcohol, and that's what got him suspended. So obviously immaturity is still correct there. But then I think the next time he got suspended was weed. But the first time he got suspended after coming back was having a cocktail on a private flight while he was on probation for weed in the NFL. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm completely with you with Josh Gordon. I, he's just such a specimen that – I just want to see him uh, succeed and and have that sec get that third fourth chance and get paid and have a career and you know it's one of those things where you'd be like God imagine what could have been um, but at the end of the day at least uh, he can make a, a life for himself and a family and have redemption um, so I'm all for Josh Gordon so he's wide receiver sixteen. Um, then the next wide receiver, 17, is Juju Smith-Schuster, which, God, I just don't feel like that's pretty high. Um, Allen Robinson, high. I didn't put him in this list just because I wanted to get your Demarius, but um, Allen <laughs> Robinson's wide receiver, 18, at 45. I, I, li- I think he's just going to be a great wide receiver, too. Um, uh, you know, And I'm a Bears fan, so I'm rooting for him. He's my highest-owned wide receiver right now. Yeah. He's, uh, he's what? Allen Robinson's my highest owned wide receiver right now in the, in the 60 or 70 drafts I've done. Um, I'm getting him in the fourth round and just every time nailing him. I, I agree, man. He's, he's going to be, he's going to be sick. The only thing I worry about with Robinson isn't necessarily an injury rear in its ugly head. It, the only thing I like, but it's on one of those things. Does it benefit him or does this hurt him? I think Anthony Miller is going to be friggin' a beast. Uh, I do think it's going to help him. Yeah, I think it's going to help him too. Uh, and there's going to be games where you're like Anthony Miller, a rookie, is he's going to he's going to get some big games. So I'm all about Robinson. Larry Fitzgerald's wide receiver, 19 at 46th overall, and then Demarius Thomas, one pick later, 47th is a wide receiver, 20. Uh, then you got Cooks, Brandon Cooks is 21. Golden Tate is a wide receiver, 22. A few picks later, so. Yeah, I love I love this kind of stuff. Let's do one more of these, and then I, uh, let's call it a night. And uh, this has been an awesome conversation. Always, uh, always enjoy talking to our uh, our, our beloved fantasy football with you, Wheeler. I'm going to give you one more. Definitely. 
I'm going to give you one more on the clock. Let me think which one of these ones I want to give you. Should we go high, middle, or low? All right, I'm going second round. Pick 15. You're on the clock. And who knows? Now, now that now with some of the news that's happened today and over the last 24 hours, this might be a, a no-brainer. But based on ADP right now, I just don't see this guy ever being around at this time. But you know what? I'm going to change it up. I'm going to do, we'll do two quick ones. This one's going to be, I think, an easy one. Round two, pick 15. Julio Jones, Keenan Allen. A.J. Green, Devontae Adams. Valverde. Oh, I just put mine away. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Um, it's a decision between Julio and Keenan Allen. Um, <sighs> I like Keenan Allen because he's going to be peppered with targets from Phillip Rivers. He, uh, Hunter Henry isn't there, so he's a couple more targets that are going to come his way. Keenan Allen is really, uh, although he profiles as a deep ball uh, receiver, he's really a possession receiver. Oh. Um, and the reason I, it's hard, him and Julio are basically the same receiver. Uh, Julio is ultra talented, ultra athletic. But I know about 20% of Julio's points came in one game last year. Uh, he always has this one huge game every season that ends up carrying him. But then I could go, you know, he had 18 targets or 15 targets in the end zone. Uh, he only caught one of those 15 targets. Regression's got a hit. Actually, I'm going to switch. It, Julio would be my pick. It would be a struggle to pick, but it, between him and Keenan, but I, I would have to go Julio there. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm all in on Julio. Never really had a major injury. I think I don't. Well, I don't think Keenan Allen is like injury prone. He's he's definitely more susceptible to missing games. Uh, even though Julio's missing, you know, like light injuries where he sits out just because he's more of like a he's like a he's like a stallion. You know, he's like one of those horses. That right. He's like, you're kind of like, all right, there's some, something's tweaked, but it's better not to have this turn into something worse. But Julio Jones, I think now that he's been signed here, that he's they restructured his deal. He's coming. He's reporting to camp or reported today, uh, right today? Um, it, yeah. He, he came today, so I think Julio will start skyrocketing up the. Uh, uh, not skyrocketing, but he's going to start moving up. Um, AJ Green, I'm not done. I'm not done on him, so he's my second guy there. Uh, in all honesty, I, I would probably take Devontae Adams over Keenan as well. I love Keenan. Um, I love his game. He's like one of those savvy guys that gets it done uh, based on just being a tactician, and uh, I, I like his style. I know he's a hard worker, but I, I don't know. I just I, I, of those of those four, I think. Keenan is probably my third or fourth. It would be close between me and him, Devontae Adams. A.J. Green, I just love the guy. He, he lets me down every year. He, last year being the biggest year, he let me down in my big money league. Um, but I think he's I think he's got a lot to prove. I think last year was just this kind of weird year. I don't know, he got married. Maybe just he just kind of started pussing out. That whole team's got to get a little bit better. <laughs> this is the last but, one. This is the last the, one. Let me – 
Yeah, go Let ahead. me say something about that, too. A.J. Green was over 1,000 yards every year of his career until this year, and he would have been again, but they held him out the last game where he could have come back from an injury. Devontae Adams has never had a 1,000-yard season. He's young. He hasn't been in the NFL that long. But um, And you're actually the one that's gotten me to back off of Devontae Adams. Those two concussions you talked about last year or the last time I was on, is it backed me off of Devontae a little bit just because I, I was really high on him at first because, all right, Aaron Rodgers is coming back, and Aaron Rodgers actually likes him, and he's going to just pepper him with targets now that Jordy's gone. But th- there are – Devontae has, hasn't actually proved himself yet. He's really t- touchdown to peasant, to, yes, dependent. Um, and look who they I was going to say – oh, Julio – Julio always has those nagging injuries, so every Sunday you're like, is he playing? Is he playing? Is he playing? When Keenan Allen is out, you know he's out. That's a great point. That is a great point. <laughs> Julio does have those. Uh, you're right. You're right. There's, there's no question about that. I think also Jimmy Graham, the reason why Devontae Adams has been so touchdown dependent and, you know, had, I'm pretty sure he's got the most touchdowns for wide receiver over the last two years. I, I know he has. Um, right. you now you got Jimmy Graham. Who I think was was a top five not for all receivers in in um, end zone, uh, red zone targets. Red zone targets. So now you know as much as I love Aaron Rodgers from a fantasy standpoint, I think it's a total putz from a, uh, a personality standpoint. But um, he Devontae Adams has got like I think the team gets better, which is great for Green Bay Packers. But um, I, I, at least I think from his game, his game and skill set. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy kind of uh, kind of hurts Devontae, uh, but who knows? I think Devontae is just—he's just—he might just be getting better. It's a young dude. So AJ Green, I like him a lot, but Julio—if he's—if he's around in the in the middle or some more towards the first part of uh, uh, three picks into the second round, I'm I'm pouncing. Uh, this is the last yeah. one we're doing, and uh, then we'll uh, shut it down. It's been awesome. We'll we'll keep it at the front end. Round one, pick 10, Kareem Hunt's there, Melvin Gordon's there, OBJ, who I think probably is maybe going to be there, but probably I think as you see him. He, he can be there. Good, but I it's think. A, it's surprising. Probably, yeah. I think it's gonna, surprising. Yeah. Like any of these guys have gone in any of these slots. After Antonio Brown, where you have. Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Hopkins, Hunt, Gordon, Fournette, and OBJ. That tier has been so jumbled in every draft. It's almost like decisions are made for you. Um, If I'm on the clock right this second and have to decide. He's Leonard Fournette. Based on ADP right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the last guy actually that's Hunt. Melvin Gordon, OBJ, Leonard Fournette. Those get those are your options. Round one, pick ten. Um, and, and 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 the crazy thing is DeAndre Hopkins. As much as I love him, he's catapulted up. I no way I'm taking DeAndre. I, I know maybe I'm crazy because I just think OBJ is just so, so electric. But I'm taking OBJ over DeAndre. I just am. I just think that offensive line. But anyway, your the picks to you. Who are you taking out of Hunt, Melvin Gordon, OBJ, Leonard Fournette? I have been taking Hunt. I've recently switched more to Gordon, 
and I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it's not even a guy I like to listen to, um, but he made some good points about Fournette and the amount of touches he could get. The one concern I have about Fournette is his ankles just they cave every year. And it's not a permanent injury. It's usually just one or two games. And he can be a bit of a knucklehead, and he's not going to get a lot of the receptions. Not that he can't catch out of the backfield. It's just that they have two guys there that can do as good, if not better, a job. Um, I like Fournette. I would... I'm probably going Melvin Gordon just because there's guaranteed touches there. Uh, San Diego is going to be better this year. Um, Phillip Rivers will dump the ball off to him. He's going to get all of the you know first and second down carries for sure. He's the bell cow there. I mean, they have, they do have um, Austin Eckler to take some pressure off of him. And Austin Eckler started to emerge a little bit more last year and kind of cut into his touches a little bit. But in the long run, Melvin Gordon's going to get the bulk of the work. Kareem Hunt, you know, people are underestimating uh, Spencer Ware still. Like, uh, you can get him beyond the last round of drafts sometimes. And he's going to take 30% of the touches. Like, it's just what's going to happen. Andy Reid loves Spencer Ware. Um, He never wanted Spencer Ware to be the bell cow, uh, although he was the lead back there for one year. I believe he got over 1,200 yards there. Uh, Coming into the season last year, I was taking Ware in the third round. And, yeah, Hunt emerged, and he's going to get the bulk of the carries, but there's definitely going to be some usage from Ware there. Um, And I I think Ware is going to cut into Hunt more than Eckler or the rookie Justin Jackson will cut into Gordon. And I think – Yeldon and Grant will cut into Fournette more than uh, the others will cut into Gordon as well. OBJ, um, yeah, I'm a Giants fan, so you know, to say Ezekiel Elliott is going to do well this year, it, it, it pains me inside. And to say I don't trust OBJ is, uh, you know, it probably because I'm a Giants fan. Um, I, he's just he's hot and cold and. Quite honestly, you know, yeah, he showed up to camp and he's, he said, you know, he wants a new contract now and he said he'll continue and he'll play without the the renewed contract. But I just don't see that being his personality all the way through the season. I, I think if the Giants haven't renewed something by the start of the season, you're going to see him throw a temper tantrum and, you know, sit out some games. Um or the second he gets touched on the ankle, he's going to, you know, cry wolf and limp off the field. I it just, it, it, he hasn't shown me in the off season that he's matured. The, the cocaine if on the he, pizza box, uh, asking a, <laughs> a, a hooker in Paris to have sex with another hooker. That didn't, that didn't <laughs> somebody that didn't poured out, out. somebody poured out a sugar packet, right? You know, like, it, of course it was cocaine. Like, I roll up, just so you know, when I get home every night, every dollar bill I have, I'm like, well, I got money. I didn't spend it all on beers and late-night food and hot dogs and shit. I take every bill I have in my wallet out, and I just roll them up, and I just put them out next to my wallet. No no cocaine involved. No cocaine involved. I just roll my bills. It's it's the best way to know how much money I've got, how much cash I've got uh, on hand. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm with you. I yeah, love good. OBJ. I, I, I love OBJ here, but just knowing last year, um, you gotta, you gotta kind of, if you're not getting Antonio with the depth at running back, I mean, I even like Hunt's, and for net in many ways, and I know I'm in the, right. in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, on the, on the private, the, the, the dull side of this, but, uh, of pie chart, but I would take probably, I would actually take, I would, I would take every one of the four of these guys over Alvin Kamara. I would take all four of these guys over DeAndre Hopkins. I still like Saquon <laughs> Barkley just because I just think what, what if, what what if this guy is just has that 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 Elliot that Hunt even outdoes Hunt? I think he's primed for that kind of opportunity. But I would take Hunt over DeAndre. I would take a Hunt over Kamara, and I would probably take uh, I would take Gordon over Kamara. Uh, maybe not over DeAndre, but I would I would because I want that I want one of those top running backs because I know from all the drafts and all the mocks I can get in the fifth. I can get in the third through the seventh round wide receivers that and wide receivers that I'm using as flexes. Um, I can get them. I, I yeah round. I can get yeah. a wide receiver. So if when I when I topple up and I've got Julio and AJ Green, um, which happened to me last year, I had both these guys kind of early. Um, and then I'm sitting there, and there's no running backs in three through or four through eight, let's say. And there's all these wide receivers. I'm like, fuck, why didn't I grab one of these? Why didn't I grab Malvin Gordon? And then I'd be sitting here, and I, my running back situation wouldn't look so bleak. So I'm I'm all for I'm not a zero RB guy. I'm all for coming out of that first round with one of these top running backs because yeah, I mean I would love to have OBJ. I'd love to have Julio. I'd love to have Antonio Brown. I'd love to have DeAndre Hopkins. But just the way when I do get them in that first early second round pick, then it it it, it hurts what I what I get at the running back position, and um, I just. I'd just rather get that running back because I know that I can pull off. I'm a wide receiver guy. I can pull off wide receivers that I love. I can get that I can get that golden tape. I can get guys we talked about later, like you said, that Baldwin. Um it's it's it, that whole list of Fitzgerald, Demarius Thomas. I'm happy with the I'm happier with the a Demarius Thomas. Literally I'm happy with, more happy with the Demarius Thomas and the uh fifth-ish, maybe late fourth round, and uh, a Saquon Barkley or a Melvin Gordon than I am with a DeAndre Hopkins and a Derrick Henry. Right, right. Um, I, I, I mean, I like Hopkins better than OBJ, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I, I want a running back there, generally speaking, just because uh, look what we talked about uh, round two, pick 15 where we had the choice between Julio and Keenan, AJ and Devontae. Okay. We might get one of them. We got to throw in Michael Thomas in there too. We're not even, he's not even mentioned in these picks. So you're going to get a high quality receiver. If you're at 110, grab your running back here because one of those receivers we just mentioned is going to be sitting there. And I'm fine with Julio instead of Hopkins. I'm fine with Julia or Keenan Allen instead of OBJ, you know, so grab that because after this tier of running backs, it takes a dip there. There's uh, um, Dalvin cook, but 
he was a rookie last year. He played four games. So I'm not sure we want to gamble everything on four games. You know, there's, there's Devontae Freeman coming back. There's uh, um, McCaffrey. McCaffrey. All of those, all of those are, right. All of those are uh, a solid step below these guys that are going in the first round. And, that, and that's why the, the first round is stock full of running backs this year is because there's a huge teardrop after that. The the teardrop between uh, tier two and t- tier three for the running backs is far greater than the teardrop between one and two this year, which is an anomaly that usually doesn't happen. Usually after the first tier, there's a huge drop off to the second tier. This year, it's a minimal drop off to the second tier. And then to the third tier of running backs, there's a huge drop. You said it perfectly. I mean, like Melvin Gordon to me and Dalvin Cook could not, could be friggin' amazing. Um, and I like Dalvin Cook. Uh, that's I, I like Melvin Gordon so much more uh, for a few reasons. But then even the Dalvin Cook, let's say you think Dalvin Cook is a second tier guy, then you're going the next guy is friggin' Devonta Freeman. Uh, I do not want to be stuck ever with a Devonta Freeman as my RB one ever. I'm mean, I'm a big fan of the player, but as long as I Coleman's mean, there, Col- Coleman's just as good. Yeah. I can't wait until he's a free agent and gets a bell cow roll somewhere next year. Hopefully. Totally great. Wheeler, man, this is sweet. We did. We went, we went about two forty, uh, maybe two thirty five or so, which is awesome. You know, here on pyro, I like to go deep and uh, go long. Uh, when I was telling yeah, them, that's what she said. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, this is, I'm just as God. I'm only as God made me. Um, <laughs> but man, I hope you, I wish you the best. Um, good luck in school tomorrow. Um, let's, we, obviously we stay in touch over Twitter and on base camp for Pyro and all that stuff. Uh, let's, uh, we're probably, I'll probably roll you into a mock draft with all the, with the whole team. Um, uh, I don't know whether Definitely. we're going to try and do it live on a show. Those are always fun. Um, with eight people, a couple, a couple people having a few teams, or a couple teams uh, talking over one another. It makes for great podcasting. But if we don't do it live, let's do a podcast, and it'll be a draft kit thing, and maybe we could do um, some sort of article about it afterwards. But um, I'll find out from Waz and some of the crew on our pyro party so we can get that going and out around the interwebs and around the industry earlier so we get guys like you and other folks that haven't been over the past couple of years um, fired up to come visit Chi-Town and, and uh, throw some back. Um, I will. Uh, I will. I would love that. I'd love to have a beer with you, my friend. Uh, so good luck. Beautiful. High fives across uh, across the uh, Uber conference. Um, thanks for coming on. Good stuff all around. Again, Wheeler, uh, one of the great Twitter guys out there, and obviously one of the great ranking guys. I'm D Rex of Pyromaniac.com. Uh, until the next one. Uh, Thank you very much for being here. Peace, Wheeler. Thanks, my man. Peace.